Welcome, everybody. This is Albert Campa for the Cantina MX podcast. I'm here with uh, fellow panelist, Joel. What's going on, Joel? What's up? What's up, Al? It looks like it's uh, Podcast de Caballeros today. The oh. rest of the the rest of the Cantina Barfly seem to be on a vacation. <laughs> one one has just joined us. That seems, Mister John oh. has just joined. Wait, but... John John De Luisa or John Jagu? John Jagu. Yeah, From uh... sorry, to, sorry to disappoint you, Juan. It's just me. <laughs> John, I think John heard the bottles clinging and he couldn't stay away. <laughs> yeah, we just started, John. Oh, well, I guess I, 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 I joined just in time. I'll be joining up for a little bit. Not, he heard that bottle open. Show. He he heard that bottle open and he's like, "Did someone call my name?" Uh, no, I've been uh, I've been enjoying some Yingling today for sure. I've had that before, John. Uh, actually, Marquitos introduced it to me. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's good stuff, uh, but you can only get it east of the Mississippi. They uh, have this crazy policy where they don't want to they don't want to venture out west for whatever you know whatever uh, crazy reason. So. Great, so great to have you on, John. Uh, hey, of course. Yeah, happy to be on. Happy to be on. Yeah, so John is on vacation, but joining us for a little bit. Uh, and I guess uh, to start off real quick, uh, at the beginning of the show, we can co- we can make a few comments on the World Cup final. I guess my, my take on it was uh, I, I expected France to to just be too much for Croatia, although I do think the initial foul on Griezmann was uh, non-existent. He, he took a dive. And got the goal. I don't. I don't. I mean, I think that was wrong, but I don't think that was going to change the result any. So, yeah, I think they deserved. They deserved the victory. Got a good team. What did you guys? What did you guys think of the whole uh, final end of the World Cup? Well, we talked oh, about it last week. Right, uh, we talked about it last week on the show, where. Uh, the fact that Croatia had played uh, three extra time games in a row meant that they'd played an extra game. And uh, at some point they were going to run out of the, you know, whatever stored battery life they had was going to finally uh, catch up to them. And I think that we saw. They were on the reserve that. tank. Yeah, we saw some of that. I mean, especially with the. Uh, you know, with, with, with some of their key players like Modric and, and Rakitic and the other guys, and, uh, uh, you know, especially there. And the, you know, once France, at least in my opinion, once France was able to withstand the first, you know, ten or fifteen minutes of, of each half, and uh, and uh, just absorb the, the, the pressure that Croatia was going to throw at them, the, the result didn't surprise me at all. France just has a really solid team. You know, they were, you know, one of those. I mean, 
for, for people not to consider them favorites before the uh, the tournament. I thought really cool. And and they and they look really confident, John. Even after uh, Croatia had scored, they just seemed like, you know, they they were gonna get the result eventually. They did, and uh, you know, the second goal that was scored. You know, a lot of people say that the, that the handball was involved. But, you know, you know, to me, the rule on handball is. If, if if your hand is away from the body and the ball is going toward goal and it hits you in the you know the hand or the arm or whatever it is, then they're going to call it every time. I mean, they called it in the Mexico Korea game, and that guy was what a good 15 yards away from goal, but the ball was you know going toward goal and his hand was off his body. Yeah, and, uh, but... the ref didn't even hesitate to call that, and, and to me it was almost the exact same play. Yeah, especially if you're facing the ball because. Uh... Chicharro had a handball, but his it came from behind him. Not only and, 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 behind him, but he but he was also uh, going away from goal. He he was even going yeah. toward the other team's goal. So there was I mean and that that one was never. Uh, I mean I mean if you apply that criteria, then I think that you know that that the that that the referee uh, was with the way that he ruled it was, or I guess the way that the bar. Was, what he saw in the video, yeah, that's which, absolutely. Yeah. But he had to go back and take a look at it, which I thought that when he went back to look at it, he was not going to call it. But uh, I guess he wanted to make double sure. Sure enough, it was a handball. He was okay. able to put it through, and they got the two goals in the second half. And like, oh. Yeah, that that could be our advice for our new profe, profe from Escondido, Dan, who uh, he just took over a under six soccer team. And that's uh, you know, tell your players when they, when it's a corner kick or or a cross into the box, they have to have their hands. You know, they can't jump and yeah. spurt their hands wide. That's right. And uh, I mean, I remember the uh, the goal that Mexico Liga scored against uh, Mexico. Got Carlos Santido. You know, did everything he, you know, he had his hands literally. You know, he was holding his hands behind his back. To make sure that that wasn't going to be a handball on the shot, obviously the shot ended up working out really well for Maxi. But uh, yeah, that's why. Right. Uh, well, so sometimes it's interesting seeing the players when they're uh, when they're arguing against a handball because they already know they already know yeah. that it's one of the first things they teach you, you know. Yeah, and, and, you know the funny thing was that I was watching the game. I mean, I thought that especially in the first half and towards the second. That 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 Bogba was having uh, just a really terrible game. He was his, his passing. He was when he would collect the ball, his passing was terrible. He uh, it just it just seemed like he was getting twisted around. And then you know, boom, boom, he makes just out just terrific uh, you know, long passes to Mbappe, and then he ends up getting the goal. And it just he 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 personally totally changed the game. At least in the second half, just totally changed the game. Took over the game. You know, it just it just goes to show you just how quickly a player can. And go from you know playing really bad to playing really well. Yeah, it Almost shows in an instant. That was a perfect game for France because it highlighted all their, well, two of their main, well, all of their. I'll say all of their main players because Giroud was like non-existent the whole tournament. Everyone says, and it's pretty. It's pretty much yeah, true. Yeah, he didn't score. He he failed to score. Yeah, but Mbappe scored suck. and and uh, Pogba <laughs> scored. So that was like those are their main. It's, it was good to see Mbappe score in the final that young, and and as the main guy for that team, it was good to see that. 
Because sometimes yeah, you see. You can't forget Griezmann. I mean, he, you know, he had four goals in the tournament, and Mbappe had four goals in the tournament. Uh, Pogba, I think, only had the one goal, but yeah. Yeah, they're both yeah, so very well taken, and, uh, and, and France to me is a very worthy champion. And again, uh, we mentioned it over the weekend. I mean, you folks have to remember that uh, Gignac had a shot that go off the, off the post in stoppage time of the, of the Europe 2016 final. If that ball goes in, uh, France is the the Eurocopa champion and the World Cup champion even within two years. And if people would be talking about them as being one of the, one of the greatest sides ever. But you know, unfortunately for France, it didn't happen. But for folks to, to not consider them one of the heavy favorites after I had Will played that tournament and then you know, the tournament. It was it was uh, it was it was a good way for the for the tournament to end and I'm glad that there were you know it was it was the most goals scored in the final since uh, I think eighty six. Yeah, it was definitely when they had uh, when Argentina won three to two. So, yeah and a and... way for the tournament to yeah, and, and I say probably one of the main takeaways from this cup has been has been the dominance of the European teams because since then you could probably say since ninety eight there's been a European in the final and only one only one South American team has won it, which was in uh two thousand two was Brazil. But pretty much um and then, and then Argentina went in 20, 2014, made the final. But like, other than that, it's it's been all European winners. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been uh, you know at least uh, you're right since '06. It's been it's been, it's been solid year. So that's what, what the fourth World Cup in a row where European side has won. There's only been at least in the tournament. Uh, I forget what the stat is, but. In most of the World Cups played in Europe, it's very rare to see uh, teams from another continent even make the semifinals in the European World Cup. So it was, uh, you know, it wasn't entirely. And of course, you know, Europe also has out of 32, 32 teams that participate, you know, they have fourteen. Of them. So chances are pretty high that they're going to have the bulk of the. Uh, the bulk of the participants in the, in the, in the later round as well. So this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. But uh, you know, it, it would be nice to see more, uh, you know, eventually see more South American, North American, Asian actors, you know, whatever it is to, to make yeah. the finals. So well, hopefully you we'll know, John, yeah, but I mean, to me it looks bleak. <laughs> Outcome looks bleak. I think with Europe taking the pretty much the majority of talent from South America, from Latin America, is just strengthened their their teams and their league and their players, you know. Uh, their young players get to play against, you know, or side by side with some of the best, you know, they have to offer. I mean, you you go back to like the 90s and, and up until before the Bosman ruling when, when it changed the number of foreigners uh, teams used to get. And and the South American teams, they matched up pretty well when you had the the Intercontinental Cup, the Toyota Cup, and and you will see like Bele Sarsfield beat AC Milan. Bele Sarsfield's now man, they <laughs> you know they they'd be lucky to make the final of the FIFA Clubs World Cup. 
No, you're right. And it's not just that. I mean, a lot of the, you know, and it makes it easier for, you know, particularly like Argentine and Uruguayans to, to play in Europe because, you know, for whatever reason, they seem to be able to, to get a, a European passport much quicker and much, much more accessible to them than, you know, say, you know, Memo Choa, who's been in Europe since 2011 and doesn't have a zero passport yet, or, or yeah. Chicharito for that matter. So, so they still have the three-foreigner rule. But, you know, a lot of these guys, like, like you know, Messi doesn't count as a foreign European passport, which is a joke, but, you know, I mean, that, that's just how it is. And you're absolutely right. There's, there is, uh, it, what it's done is, is there's been, a, like, a paradigm shift in, in, in the amount of talent that was in the Americans. There have been all these foreigners in Europe, you know, very yeah. few of them are, Canada's foreigners in Europe. Big, big, yeah, because imagine, John, if... If you didn't have that exodus of talent, how much more exciting and, and more competitive and difficult the Copa Libertadores would be? I mean, it already is, but imagine if if you still had a lot of those players, you know, competing in, in, in that tournament. Sure. No, I mean, I remember, you know, when they first had the Toyota Cup, I think we were playing. I think back then it was like Stawa Bucharest or whoever it was, but I mean it was it was a it was a really big deal for them to win that, and it was a culmination of Argentina winning everything that that year because they won the World Cup, they won obviously the Libertadores, and they won this, and uh, you know obviously the the real strong Brazilian teams of the '80s like Flamengo, etc. You're absolutely right; they would make it. Uh, Wait, are you guys saying that? So what you you're saying th- is, are you guys saying on. that? So what you're saying is, well, no, I'm tr- I, I can barely hear John. But are you guys saying that there was a time when a lot of South Americans stayed in their countries and didn't go to Europe? Oh. And is that yeah, man? So, when was that? Because as far as I can remember, uh, Brazilians and Argentinians, the top players, always went to Europe. No, nah, no, nah, like look, even go back to the '94, '94 World Cup. Check how many Brazilians were. We're in, uh, we're in Europe, you know, in 86. I think Argentina only had like three players that were abroad, Maradona being one of them. I said his name. Yeah, because you have to remember. Maradona. That, uh, <laughs> that, you know, because of the Boston ruin, that, you know, AC Milan would, could only have three foreigners on their team, period. Not necessarily. Uh, but, well, it's not just the Boston ruin, but also the, the, the EU changed things too because yeah. they were in the EU and you could play wherever you were. Wanted and, and you know combine it with the Boston rule, but the other thing was again is, is that a lot of these folks, whether they're Argentines or Hawaiians, even some Brazilians, because they had you know a, a Portuguese grandfather or whatever it was, they made it really easy for them to get a European passport. So they didn't quote unquote count as foreigners. And 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 also John, the European teams, they kind of, you know, they they started taking players really young. You know, so that by the time they were twenty twenty one or whatever, they were eligible because they've been living in the country for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you you had something in the late nineties. I think it was FIFA had to make a rule because uh, they were just getting all these immigrant kids that if they weren't good enough, the club was just releasing them. And you had a bunch of homeless kids running around that at one point had been prospectos. So, I would watch that Netflix series. 
you know, you're in some village in Africa. One moment, the next you're in AC Milan. And then two years later, you, you don't cut it for their under 20. So you're, they let you go, man. And, and your, um, your, your promoter just abandons you. So now you, you're just, you know, you're kind of homeless all of a sudden. You're just vagabond. I guess my, my, my remembrances <clears throat> of, uh, of Riquelme. How he was at Boca and then he went, and I'm looking at it, he went in 2002 to Barcelona and then stayed in Europe until 2007 when he returned to Boca towards the end of his career, I guess. Well, I mean, I mean, I look at the, the 1982 Brazil team, I think only three or four were playing in Europe, but again, you know, AC Milan in the, in the late 80s had a terrific team, but you know, the only foreigners they had on the team were the three Dutch guys. It was Van Basten and Ruth Gullit. Ruth Gullit and uh, oh, yeah. the, the other Gullit. The other Gullit. The, the, the original Gullit. Oh, that's the original. <laughs> the original, the OG. The OG Gullit. That's right. So, yeah, so it was, I mean, I, I mean, you had to be incredibly talented, even as a South American, to even be considered. Play, I mean, if I, I mean that, you know, Tico, as great as he was, never never played in Europe. At least, at least not at his prime. He played for Flamenco. Yeah, well, <clears throat> yeah, Pelé was the other guy, you know, going even further back. Yeah, but the the government kind of said... No, <laughs> they no, didn't no. let him. They, yeah, they said he was he a was, national treasure. So they, yeah, they, that's they true. Yeah, that's true. It took Henry Kissinger going over there to negotiate yeah. his move so to... So what's the uh, what's the future yeah, hold? Is it, are are we going to see continuous uh, European dominance in the World Cup, or how is South America going to get back? Huh? Well, if I, I do think it's going to stay the same, uh, you know, I, I think that's why a lot of people were hoping Croatia would win. It would, you know, give some hope to those to the other teams. Um, but but I do see the the same. The same team still dominating, and I, I still think, like Brazil, to me, I think I still think going into the next cycle, they're still going to be one of the strong and favorite teams. And Argentina, they have all this talent. I think if they get their stuff together, you know, they they could still challenge. But outside of those two teams, I think it's all it's all Europe. Well, I mean, you let's know, let's be honest. I mean, outside of Brazil, Argentina, since the fifties, have been the only teams outside of Europe. Up anyway, so it's not like we're really, you know, going out on a limb saying, "Well, yeah, it's going to be Brazil and Argentina." I mean, that, that's who it all. Yeah. You know, the, the quarterfinals are you know, our six European teams in Brazil and Argentina. You know, maybe a, an African team gets to be there occasionally. It's been a South Korea here and there. The U.S. made it once, Mexico once. But the, the reality is that in most World Cups, it's going to be six European teams and Brazil and Argentina. And that's just Actually, in the, the way it is. In the in the middle of this tournament of this World Cup, I thought this is going to be like a mid tier, a mid table World Cup oh. champion <laughs> because like uh, Germany was out, Argentina was yeah. not doing good, Spain, Spain. yeah, and then, and then Italy didn't, Italy, Holland didn't even qualify. Italy, anymore. Holland, Chile, yeah. yeah. So if Croatia would have won, you know, that's why. That's why the uh, you know that other that other side of the bracket. You know, when we did our show before the second round started, I mean, there were teams on the other, you know, 
any one of those teams just had this, this just this unbelievable path to make it to the, you know, to make it to the final, whether it was Croatia or or England, you know, for that matter. You know, I mean, they just, I mean, it was just like, you know, all the heavyweights on the other side. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was wide open for them to, to do it. But uh, you know, the only one that was able to take advantage of it was uh, was England, and then and then Croatia, yeah, and you know, obviously on their side. But, uh, yeah, and then you have all the talk of Mexico beat Croatia uh, last World Cup, and then Mexico beat or tied Belgium in a friendly, and all this ridiculous talk, which you know, I guess is expected at times. But I, I enjoyed this and uh, this World Cup. I liked the goals and the excitement of the games. It seemed more uh, more exciting than past World Cups, to my recollection. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a good World Cup. It, you know, it wasn't. You know, a lot of people said it was the best, most entertaining. I, I don't agree with that. I think there have been other World Cups that have been, uh, you know, better. I mean, just off the top of my head, I think France '98 was better. None of us were alive, but I'm sure that if we got to watch the Mexico '1970 World Cup, I think that you know, mo- most agree that that one is still the standard bearer as, as far as the greatest World Cups, just just because. Of that. Oh, not only the star power that was in that tournament, but also the, just the, the quality of the game. The fact that it was on color TV for the first time. I mean, there were so many factors that made that World Cup. Just, you know, a lot of the games were played in sunlight, which I am personally just love seeing World Cups played in the daylight. I just, I just think it looks so much better on TV. Just, just, you know, summer sun, it just looks really, really, really good. And uh, How about- you know, there, was, there were some crazy good games. I mean, there was... Uh, Germany-Italy semifinal, the Germany-England uh, quarterfinal, the Brazil-England group game. But, you know, there's just a whole bunch of uh, reasons why the, uh, the Mexico 70 is probably still the standard bearers as far as best and most exciting and, uh, and most thrilling. So. But this was good. I mean, it was, it was better than the... I think better than Germany, better than South Africa, better than uh, Japan, for sure. Uh, probably not as good as Brazil or even France, but uh, and, and yeah. But, it was uh, an exciting World Cup. I must say that it was. It was pretty exciting. I, I think one thing we haven't seen is, you know, domination from. You know, we never got to see like Cristiano or Messi dominate the way they dominate in, in club play. Uh, I think that's, that's the one interesting thing, uh, you know, to take from those players. Just you see how, like, Cristiano winning three Champions League in a row with Real Madrid, or just the way Messi seems unstoppable a lot of times in Barcelona. And then you, you have a lot of people seeing if they could replicate that at the World Cup, and, and it never happened. Never really happened. Like they'll give some glimpse, but then, you know, that that was all. Like Cristiano, the first two games, you know, he had like four goals. He had a hat trick, and 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 then uh, to, would dissipate, dissipate a bit. And then and then but, came with an uh, with an Iranian missing a sitter to uh, to turn <laughs> into, the, yeah. into the round of sixteen. <laughs> But you know, you know, Cristiano and Messi, in, at least for this tournament, I think have had the, uh, you know, what I call Rafa Marquez disease. You know, Rafa was at the, at the height of his power. He was clearly the best player Mexico had. But you know, the team didn't live up to his standard. 
or, or to his level of play. And I think that we saw a lot of that with, uh, uh, at least in this term with Portugal, and then over the past, what, six or seven years well, uh, with Argentina, which is crazy to say because they made three finals in a row. But, yeah. I mean, you watch Argentina play in those, in those tournaments, like, uh, you know, even, even in Brazil making the final, I mean, they won, uh, like, all their games 1-0. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah, think they... those two guys still have one World Cup left in them. So I think Qatar is going to be the, when we see the curtain fall on those two guys. Yeah, well, speaking of Qatar, uh, now, has anything been made official about uh, Juan Carlos Osorio? Or the, uh... Wait, 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 John, wait, wait. Oh, oh, oh. Before, before we get to JCO, uh, what has been made official is that FIFA has moved the dates of the World Cup, so to accommodate Qatar and, and the heat, the savage the heat. So it's going to be, yeah, in the winter, so it's going to be the first winter formal cup. So there's that. Right in the middle of Thanksgiving. I know that, uh, oh, man, the, hey. The, the, the folks at Fox are not happy because it's going to interfere with the NFL season, but oh. it's the only country that has to worry about that. But for the rest, well, how, oh yeah, but no one else celebrates. <laughs> I was going to say for the rest of us. Uh, but, this would be another well, the, another the perfect opportunity. Have agreed to have to have a stoppage in play, and you know, Frank, you know, I see it actually as you know, it might be a good thing because you know the players aren't going to be as exhausted. Yeah. Now, as as they as they normally are, you know, playing a you know a seventy game season as, as some of these guys do. So, yeah. you know, that might be a good thing. And it's not going to be obviously nearly as hot in uh, in Qatar in November to February as it is in June. It, uh, yeah. Well, to answer your question, John, um, yeah, it's been made official. JCO turned down the offer. But, but I feel that that was more of a formality to say that they were offering him an extension. I was talking with... Uh, me and I were talking before the start of the podcast, and I was saying, "Now, uh, if they really wanted him, they would have they would have wrapped this negotiations since before the World Cup." Similar to with how Germany did it with Joaquin Lowe, where they were like, "We, you know, no matter what happens, we have faith in you." So here's four more years, uh, and and I don't think that was the case with JCO in a, in a big part because there's a change in management with. John De Luisa taking over FMF from Desio. And you usually, when we have a new president, they want a clean sweep. So, uh, you know, so I was saying, like, the only way I would have seen JCO staying is if he would have had that Quinto Partido or Quinto Partido and beyond. And at that point, you, you're not going to sack a coach that had such a good tournament. Well, another thing that he, uh, that was interesting was after the World Cup, he said he was asked if he would continue, and he said yes. If he received the support from the players, then he would definitely stay on. For, he would love to stay on for four more years. And then for now, all of a sudden, him to not accept is but, like but, a, a contradiction I, to what he just. I think that's formality as well. He's, I don't think he would have said no. You know, I, I just think that's him being diplomatic. Yeah, so he didn't say no. He just didn't get a. You're saying he didn't get a. An offer. No, I'm just saying he would, of course he would say that. He's not going to say something that could be seen as negative. Saying that, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm leaving, you know. 
Oh, so he wasn't truthful when he said, yeah, I'd love to stay on for. Half, half truth. Yeah. Half, half, half yeah. truth. He was being nice. He was being nice. He didn't want to offend hurt people's feelings and say, no, I'm, I'm out of here, man. I, I hated, I hated people complaining about my rotations, <laughs> making fun uh, of me for seven zero, even after he got made fun of for taking two uh, for taking his wife and then his girlfriend to the world cup. Like he was ro- rotating women at the world. He cup. did. He did say that rotation was a way of life. He said, that. <laughs> and, 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 and he, and he, and he's called the rotation. His other word for rotation is giving opportunities. So I got to give him credit for like, he, you know, he was all in on that. I I could see him doing that with beers, John. Could you imagine? He rotates his beers. He has a fridge, just different type of chelas and, you know. Apparently, that's the only thing he was rotating during the tournament. Uh, so no, but no, I haven't seen any 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 official word yet. So I mean, is it just are we are we still? I mean, is it still in the, in the conjecture phase, or is it? Uh, I think it's. Yeah, I think it is just like sources close to, are indicating this. I don't know if official. I think I do think it's pretty much because uh, John De Luisa already returned, uh, and I think John he already he's already begun making his moves. But the official uh, account hasn't tweeted out this um, JCO is out. I guess that's right. what. Yeah, that's outside. Yeah. There hasn't been an official. Uh, but but you're right, Joel. I mean, you know, this is a guy who, uh, you know, he was. He, yes, he's a Televisa guy, but you know, just you know, that 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 shouldn't. You know, nine times out of ten, that's going to be. Uh, oh, it's going to be one of these guys again. You know, like you know, Desio to me didn't really inspire anything. You know, this was Tino Copian and you know, a bunch of stooges. But uh, but but Yonder Luisa, I mean, he's a guy who, uh, you know, he's he's a lot younger. Number one, you know, he you know seven years ago uh, was the organizer for the the, the 2011 uh, the U20 tournament they had in Mexico, or the U17 rather. He's the, the head organizer for the 2026 World Cup. Yes. So he so he definitely has some chops and uh, and and John. Uh, yes. And he's he's negotiating. To to take Mexican teams back to Libertadores and and Copa America, which has always been for TV rights, you know. Sure. I think that that you know the, the, all this talk about the calendar and we're saturated. I think that that was always just hoopla. It's always been for the rights, you know, to get a bigger piece of the pie. Mexico is the big attraction in the U.S. market. And it's two big markets because it's also Mexico and U.S. So, I mean, I, I do – I could see why they would want to, like, push to get more – just more out of the tournament that, that they're bringing so much in. No, you're right. And it, uh, I mean, it, it obviously helps both parties here. And, uh, and he's – you know, the guys that he's going to have running the show are – or Dennis DeClose, who's been uh, in Mexico for a while. He's a, he's a soccer guy. You know, obviously, Gerardo Dorado is not necessarily one that has had the front office experience that you would want him to have. But, I mean, you know, he, he's a guy who, you know, has been, you know, he was a professional as a teenager, you know, 
went to Europe extremely young, played in three World Cups, and uh, obviously is someone that, that, that you're hoping can you know ultimately take the reins, and, and it's someone that can you know can can still relate to the players. And, so I think people are the, the brain trust, you know, you know, for the first time. You know, you know, I think Mexico fans should be, you know, should be hopeful that, you know, you know, maybe this thing is going to go in the right direction. Now, Juan Carlos Osorio did a lot of good things, right? as far as the, uh, you know, the organization and the the administration of how a national team should be run. I think that he laid an unbelievably solid foundation for that, and it's something that should be. Should be well, copied and, and, and should become the standard for Mexico national team. Well, you, you know, one of the rumors that came out, well, I'm not saying the rumor, but, but one of the things that, that that is being said that FMF had to say about Osorio was that he's a good trainer, he's just not a good tactician. And, and they, they said they were saying that because of how he bombed in, in all of the big games for Mexico, he just bombed, you know, when the going got tough, a soldier just caved in. Yeah, I mean, he did. I mean, he had, obviously, the, the Roja, the oh. Cup against Germany. <laughs> you, know, the, you know, the killer, you know, is, is, you know, as much as I, you know, I try to downplay it in my mind, but, you know, the Sweden game was just, I mean, I, after seeing how that bracket played out, for, 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 I mean, you know, that, that could have easily have been a Mexico-Croatia semifinal. For, you know, to, to, yeah, and, and, but the, in those three games, I would say the three biggest games that he had to coach, uh, you know, that Osorio had, which was obviously Germany at, at the Confederations Cup. Uh, he had uh, Chile, and he had... Uh, he had... Uh, who was it? Brazil. So what was the tally? Something like 13 goals, three defeats, 13 goals, and like two or three goals, four? Uh, in those games, it was just one goal, four. Man, so, I mean, that's, that just does, doesn't look too good. And, and, you know, it's like that's not what we're used to as Mexico fans. We're used to, I mean, even if, we, even if the team doesn't win, we're used to seeing at least the team go down fighting, you know, to fall. Face face up, facing the sun, or you know, como uh, dicho. Sure. But but to but to get our asses handed to us in a silver platter, that's just. <laughs> and and I had to question like, so what was the point of bringing in the, bringing in this one guy who was like the therapist, the guy that was gonna motivate? I mean, it's like, the motiv- I didn't see the motivation. That's that's where I was expecting to see it. Not not against. South Korea, you know, but in the big, the really big game, though, the one for all the marbles. Now, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no question, and, and, and we talked about it when we wrote our column a few weeks ago about, you know, you know, he did he did everything right from you know six days a week, but on that seventh day when when Mexico really needed him to to shine the most was the game that he fell apart. Yeah. Oh, and, and that to me is, is just the, is the, uh, you know, you, you, it's great that he, and, and we talked about it, you know, for the past three years, you know, since you know, we've been on the podcast, you know, he, he changed a lot of things about how Mexico manages 
the national team. I mean, I mean, just 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 in travel alone, you know, having the guys from Europe instead of flying to Mexico City and then fly all the way to Columbus or you know wherever it is they had to fly, we had them fly direct there, and uh, you know, and then they met up there, and they, so they wouldn't be as tired, or even you know, understanding that hey, you know, I have nine guys on my team that don't play that don't play Mexico anymore. We're playing qualifiers in Mexico City. What on earth are we doing having these guys? You know, we need to figure out a way to get them acclimated to what we need. So let's go training in Navaca for four days. You know, it, 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 it was decisions like you know, I thought, look, and I'm not, I'm not trying to badmouth Chepo because I'm not, you know, but Chepo <laughs> hey, we're going to play in Mexico City, and, 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 and that's just how it was. You know, just having the expectation the players were going to automatically, you know, get acclimated to playing in Mexico City. It just, it just was never the case. Um, and, and, and things that end up working out. So I, I think that you know, that part, I think, was a great foundation from which to build on. Now, the problem that I have with Osorio is that, you know, all of his coaches were Colombian. He didn't have one Mexican assistant. So, so there was no one, you know, if Mexico wanted to carry this man on, there was nobody on his staff that could, you know, that, that, that would be, hey, you know, let's, you know, they didn't put, uh, you know, Fulano Gutierrez on the staff. So they yeah. He did. He they booted him actually, John. They booted the guy because uh, uh, El Potro Gutierrez was trying to. He wanted to be part of the coaching staff. He had done a good job with the youth, with the under seventeen, and then taking the team, uh, the Olympic team. But then uh, when he tried, when he tried to be part of the coaching staff to go into the World Cup, he just you know, they sort of ostracized him. Right. So, so there's just nobody else. So, so now Mexico's going to be back to, you know, where they always are. They're going to have a new guy come in and he's going to, you know, change everything again completely. Whoever this person is. Uh, I know that but, Ramos uh, has this, you know, whether he got, wherever it is that he got this list from, you know, this list of criteria of, of, of what the next coach should have. And if, okay. if there's a person that, that that checks all those boxes, that person is not a Mexican coach. Yeah, the the eight point thing. Yeah, we were we were discussing it, Chiquis and I. Um. So yeah, I think that brings us to our next subject. Who who's next? You know, who who will the FMF hire? And I I know this going to be important, especially with John De Luisa now. So I think that's that's going to be very important for him because he's going to want to start this this process in the right foot. And and I think uh, one of the ideas is not just for this cycle, but for the next. I know they're seeing it as long term, just Mexico being one of the hosts of the World Cup in 2026. They want to see that, you know, they want to take a team and and culminate. And I think they they could have a, a very good you know, um, if 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 uh, if you're gonna have a World Cup where, where you could you could potentially win it, where where you have your best chances of winning it is when you're hosting it, and and if you know Mexico could could very well play all their games in Mexico. I mean, playing yeah, I playing notice, for a key. Uh, I did notice, Joel, that in, in a column that Rafa Ramos wrote about the you know the eight the eight. Uh, the, the, the eight uh, tick criteria or the eight attributes. Criteria, yeah. The, the, attribute, you... 
said that, that he did name as a Rafa Puente as, as, as an assistant. He did. As an assistant? <laughs> assistant? Yeah, he says, whoever the coach is, please, please take Rafa hey. so that he can take over for 2020. I, I got to pat myself because I did. I mentioned him before that column. I, I mentioned Mr. Puente Jr. before Rafa wrote did, that we column. We talked about it last week on the show. Yes, 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 I'm glad. I'm glad I'm on the right path. Uh, although I think it does make more sense to have him as an assistant than as the main guy. Yeah, well, you know, he's going to get his uh, it's his chance again coaching us, uh, coaching to get it though. Okay, so so we have we have the eight attributes. That <laughs> you want to go over them? Are, you want me to yeah, list them? Yes, please, please. Yes, please list. All right, number one is uh, player selection. Two is strategy. Three is authority and personality. Four is charisma and, uh, I guess, locker room management. F uh, five is uh, committed and estudioso. Yeah, Six is, that's where, that's, that's where that's JCO excelled. Yeah, that's a JCO <laughs> attribute. Six <laughs> is uh, 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 updated up methods. To, up, yeah, up to speed on. Up to speed on the methods. <laughs> and seven. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Let's let's stop it there. Yeah, that, right. that's another thing that JCO would do. And I'm saying any any anyone uh, in the Mexican payroll could do that. You know. So I think if if they make it a requirement, and if you have someone like to close, and and just seeing like just the reach that FMF has, because they do have that reach, they do have these good relationships with with all these uh, federations or coaches. It's something they could we, they could easily do if they wanted to, you know. They could easily send someone to meet with Pep for a, a day, you know, <laughs> to talk and and whatnot. Yeah, JCO JCO traveled all over to to learn from other people. So. What? Yeah, the, but the connections are there, you know. Like the yeah. the federation has the connections. They could they could reach out to Bielsa. They could reach out to Pep Guardiola. They could reach out to a lot of these guys, you know. So, uh, okay, moving on. Number seven is an interesting one, and I'll say here in a minute. Uh, it's, uh, I guess, cold and calculated, cabeza fría and momentos candentes. Oh, and I was that's... thinking Sampoli. Sampoli doesn't seem to qualify for that. I don't know what you guys think. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know too much with Sampa, but I, I wouldn't judge him from this, from, from this his current. No, man, he went into a burning, a sinking, burning ship. Yeah, some momento candente. <laughs> That's what that was. Yeah, but that, that that was just. I think any coach getting jumping into that was just. It's gonna have a difficult time, man. It's so much things going on there. You know, there was even rumors that it was Messi's dad who was who was calling the lineups. Oh yeah. And with with Messi paying the payroll, <laughs> who was who was not gonna listen to him? You know. So I, I think that. I think that's, that's a good just, uh, attribute, though. That's a good. That's no, a good thing is. to have. It's very hard I, for people to have that. I think it's 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 what 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 has affected Mexico like just that in some of the big moments, we've you know that our coaches have failed. Um, Aguirre, well, you know, I mean, against the U.S. at the last World Cup final. I mean, uh, you know, Didier Deschamps, you know, his best player against Croatia got a yellow card in the first half, and it was. Uh, was it Cane Cante, I forget, the, the, his holding midfielder. And he made the decision to take the guy out. 
because French Cayito. Yeah, because uh, yeah. <laughs> because cause, cause that guy, you know, he, he was he was tentative. I mean, Croatia was was was, 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 was taking control of the midfield, so he had to put in that that big bruiser, and he did, and it and it, it totally changed the game. So I mean, that was that was a risk that that, that he took, and it ended up. Wait, I mean, that, was, I mean, that is. John, you mentioning this? You mentioning this chance? It, you know, it reminds me that uh, I think it's, it's. I do think it's important uh, in keeping in mind a Mexico selection is that every coach that has won the World Cup has been from the same. From you know, he's been a national. So the champ is French. You know. Every World Cup champion has had a coach from the same country. And Hugo and, Sanchez and, will be the first one from Mexico. And, 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 well, no, even in Mexico, like, <laughs> even if we're joking, if you look at all of Mexico's top wins, Copa Confederaciones, Olympics, under 17, they've all been won with, with coaches from Mexican coaches. The latest so I, from I know Mexico we, being what? I, I know we keep looking abroad, man. I know we keep looking for that. For that world class hey, coach, hey, Joey. Hey. So, do you do you believe that uh, Mexico is a is a is a one of the top uh, candidates for for the next World Cup? Because I think no. What what you have to see? I think we have to see it two ways. Uh, are we looking to grow like grow the team as far as what what's possible? Profe, that would or only happen like if, you, if you took over the team. Well, I was telling Jolie, but he already shot him down, and, then, and, then, and I was actually thinking of putting him as a, as a, Wait, you know, recommending we, him to the, the logistics guy. No, but you you, you know, can. I I, I see I see where you're getting at, Prophet. But we're talking about the long con. We're looking at we're look because I, I well, think you missed the, it, you missed the half. Jolie, in the long run, we're all dead. No, I know, <laughs> but we're looking at the 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 you know the the proceso de ocho años. <laughs> what the club de Cuervos call it? El, el, uh, el, el, plan, el plan de ocho años. El plan de ocho años, which is 2026. So I, I know that's what they're looking for. They're looking to get a coach and then give them two cycles. Well, I don't, I don't know if you guys uh, paid, paid attention to, uh, to, to the interview. Uh, uh, what's his name, Gabe? One of the youth coaches. He's a U20 coach right now. God damn it. His name escapes me at the moment. But he said that for the youth teams, uh, Juan Carlos Ortega, who was who was put in his job by by the De La Torres when they were in the national team, he said uh, uh, Chema Ruiz, Chema Ruiz, uh, Chema? that he wanted he Chema? wanted uh, he wanted a unified playing style across the board, across the spectrum. So from oh, the yeah. teams, that was the Hans. The team. Hans so, did the same, yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's a De La Torres. Uh, so basically, what what he's saying is that the the senior team is playing one way, and the youth teams are all playing a, a style that's that's dictated by Juan Carlos Ortega. That he's the one, uh, which I, I think it makes sense if, to if you want to develop coaches and players, you you gotta pick uh, one thing and be really good at it. You know. Wait, 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 wait! I just before we jump into that was one of the things when uh, when Nestor was was the GM. And that was one of the things that he was advocating for, right. you know, for right. all the all the coaches to be connected. But then after he left, they just scraped all those plans. But I think having to close, and and you know, because that's something that Hans did, and and I wouldn't be surprised if 
Nestor got it from Hans because they worked together at Chivas. And then I yeah. think the closest yeah. from the same school, if he brings that back, I, I wouldn't mind. But but just in closing, I, I think a big reason that happened was because um, the JCO camp, they just kind of were doing their own thing. I don't think they were open to working with other coaches that they weren't from their own camp. Yeah, I think that – so that's what Chima Res was saying. So the youth teams are all doing that, Jolie, up until the, the Olympic team. So I don't know if uh, – if the FMF is going to listen or if they're, if that's going to be one of their talking points. But uh, what, that was what, be one of the points I was going to bring up, like, should we, you know, like uh, a lot of people were supporting JCO. Uh, I was one of them. And, but I think one of the, one of the sticking points was he didn't use a, a defensive mid, a destroyer type defensive mid. He was looking, yeah. to, he was looking he left. for more, oh, more hype. He left them at home. But but you know to answer your question right right away uh, to answer your question Juwan, yeah. uh, to close was the head of the youth teams before he took his current position. So I yeah. do think he's gonna I do think he's gonna prioritize something like that. Right, but so all right, Robert, it's gonna be sad. it's gonna be sad to see you go, Prophet. Hopefully, hopefully, join us. No, I, well, look, let me make my point. My my, I mean, the argument with 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 JCO, it's like a really big point because he's trying to change he's trying to uh, play a style with Mexico that, that they don't develop the players for and and the De La Torres when they came in that was one of their points that look we, we look we studied everybody right Jolie? Yes. We studied every federation we studied uh, every federation's the type of players that are in their system he goes and we picked something that, that worked for Mexico so, but, but, you, but, you know, I, I appreciate that comment, John. Yes, it's going to be, uh, you know, those, those, those three months of managing the team into the, until the first, uh, fracaso will be, will definitely be the best. And we, a big payday. Uh, I promise, Crawford, right? we will only call for your head after the second loss, not after the first one. So you have no, the after, loss. after the second loss? Yeah. yeah. Hey, guys, Hello? I'm going to step off. Wait, the, we'll, uh, John, John, do you have like please? five minutes? All right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you two minutes. Okay, cause, cause, just for John, we're gonna skip, and this, yeah, we have to do this. <laughs> no, yeah, no. so going into Liga MX, this is gonna be the one hundredth, the one hundredth league since the start of the professional era. Um, okay. So we were gonna do a, we were gonna just do a quick rundown of. Of um, the history why of why don't we get of, a prediction uh, before he leaves? Oh yeah, that's true. Going to the one hundred, yeah, we'll go into that after. So, uh, John, your quick your prediction as who you think is gonna who's gonna lift the the league title? Uh, who's gonna be the fracaso and who's gonna be the surprise team? League title. I, I got to stick with my Cruz Azul today. I, I believe in Pelaez. Cool. Uh, Pelaez factor. I think, I think we'll be uh, we'll be Monterrey. Oh. I think that they will, uh, they'll get it together for the next one, but after this one. And, and my surprise team will be Pumas. Pumas. Wait, who was your failure? Uh, Monterrey. Monterrey. Oh. Man. So does Alonso get fired, John? Do you think he gets fired? Uh, I don't know. Well, probably not, but uh, but I do think that they're going to 
that they are going to struggle for the first, uh, at least the first part of the season. And but but uh, you know for them, you know they have to make at least the final, and if they don't do that, that that that, that to me would be a blackout. Gentlemen, you guys enjoy the rest of the show. I'm going to step off. Have a have All a right good on. one, John. Later. Hey, have a good one, John. So, so guys, I'm, I'm gonna give a quick. Uh, you know, the 100 years of FMF, I'm going to give a quick rundown. Uh, you know, two minutes. That's all I need. Oh. Hey, but, but but you know what you want, two minutes? That's one round of heavyweight championship boxing, dude. That's enough to get knocked out. <laughs> Isn't it three minutes? <laughs> Isn't it three? <laughs> I think it's five. I think it's five. Dude. No, a round? Come on, dude. It's two minutes. Yeah, that, that's MMA, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wrong. A boxing round, no two minutes. Yeah, it is, man. Okay, but let's 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 three. go with this. <laughs> let's. <laughs> so okay, Liga MX professional era began 43, 1943. So the 1943-44 is considered as the start of the professional era. Uh, I, I dispute that. And, I don't think they're professional and, yet. And it was it was ten teams. Ten teams competed for that tournament. Uh, and then Chivas Campeonissimo, the 1950s to 60s, that team's considered, the, you know, the dynasty, the first dynasty team because uh, they won seven league titles. Uh, but I think uh, Leon was also a dynasty team. They had won four. But I, I think they never were able to reach the popularity of Chivas. That's why Chivas takes all the... Yeah, they take all the glory. Uh, and then 1959 was the start of the Clásico Nacional between America and Chivas. That's 1959. So then going into the 60s, that's when you had uh, Cruz Azul and Pumas. That's hey, when but, uh, both of the... Club America was a rebranded team, right? Weren't, weren't they called uh, Las Guajalotas before that? <laughs> Actually, they shared the name... They shared the name with Chivas, which is Club Union, because Chivas was also call, called the Club Union. Uh, and, and then America, America's, actually, America under the, the English, like, like in England, where the teams that are united. So any team in England that is called United, like Manchester, Newcastle, whatever, United, those are teams that were two teams that became one. And, and that was America. It was, it was a Jesuit school and, and some other club and they, they became America. But they could have, they could have, they could have called themselves America United if they want to. Uh, but <laughs> so the 60s, 62 and 64, that's when you saw, you know, Pumas and Cruz Azul because they both came from the lower divisions. And that's when they, they became one of the popular and bigger teams. Uh, and then for the 1970-71, that's when uh, they started using the Liguilla format. But, but it used to be long, long season format, and then you were going to Liguilla. So you, you would do a long season followed by a playoffs. Um, and then by the 70s, you had the reign of Cruz Azul. This was the Machina, man. Um, they won five league titles. So in the 70s, and, and you know what? I'm, I'm a, I'm probably going to piss off some of my Chilla hermanos, but, this this machina was probably more impressive than Campionissimo. So I think by the seventies it was just more competitive, more difficult. So I I think what Cruz Azul was doing and they did have a lot of Mexicans in that team. 
Uh, I, I do think that was pretty, it ranks pretty high up. Kind of sad that's, that it gets ignored that's kinda, now. It's kind of like the, uh, it's kind of like in the NBA. If I could school, uh, Juan a little bit in, in, in NBA knowledge, the Celtics, uh, oh, yeah. they had like, they yeah. had a really huge, they won like, I forget how 13. many, like double digit, 13 championships. Yeah, something like that. But they're, they're so old, man. That, that was so long. Those, they had like some, those old people. Just, just, just one more per team. They had one more in upper team. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they can they can hang with the lower lower table teams in, in today's game. That was when you so could be five five six and you could still play in the NBA. Yeah. Now that before before or after John Whitting won the trophies with UCLA. Oh come on, John, Juan, don't go there, man. That's that's pretty much, That's that's premier all talk, man. Huh? That's second division. That's second division talk. <laughs> College okay, so the eighties. So, yeah, yeah. So we're up to the eighties now. So the eighties is the the America. Wait, hey, wait, that's that's when. Jolie, the comparison. I, I think a, a a comparison now would be like uh, would be like uh, Michael Jordan being the goat, you know, and then and then Beto recently coming up that no, LeBron's the goat now because no. he's a more recent. No, I don't. No, I don't. Yeah, that's too close. It's too close. No, man, that's that's too close. Is the is the is the goal and uh, oh no, but uh, you know, La Machina Zero was was more no, different. You, you know you what? Know, you know then, what? And and then John will tell us, hey, I I, I saw Will Chamberlain <laughs> live, and he was a beast, and he should be the goat, you know? Hey, man, <laughs> I'm saying this as a Chivas fan, though. I I do think, even though I do think uh, Cruz Azul campeonatos were more difficult to win. I think Chivas were very important because they pretty much put football on the map. If, if you go back to when Chivas was winning, soccer was not, keep, keep it was not mind, the popular we, sport. They were not the popular we, sport. It was looked down on. Yeah, it, but when it was, Chivas went, went to play international competition, uh, how did they Yeah, do? they did, did the, do good. How did the Machina do when they, you know? Yeah, but, but come on, it's it's also like, they're almost like friendlies. You right, know, but it's it's because it, it, that's what there was, dude. You know. No, I mean there was there was already you had like Copa Libertadores and you had other. But fortunately, Mexico we weren't part of that. Mexico, no, Mexico they weren't. That right? that's why. But I think that's that's a subject for another time, man. Let's let's go. So in the eighties, that's no, when America saying, came you gotta, up. You gotta compare apples. Apples oranges. Orange. <laughs> it, it it struck a chord, didn't you? I said Chi hermanos and and. They, Here's Juwan. Here's Juwan crying. Okay, um, so 80s. <laughs> hey, man, that, that's personal. That's it, Jolie. You're off. coaching staff when I... When the gloves are off. Beto, you're back on, dude. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Culeros, let me finish this. So 80s. 80s was America. And then we go into the 90s. And uh, 1996 was the start of the short tournament. That's when the... You know, League IMX copied because that's that's where they got it from. They got it from the Argentine League, which split their turn, which split you know split their season into two. They started doing two campeonatos per year, and uh, League IMX followed suit, except with the difference being uh, they have Liguilla. So that was in 1996, um, and then so you had like teams like Santos and Pachuca. And I would say even Toluca, those three teams came up, you know. So. And, uh, Necaxa, dude. 
under La Puente. They were, but they missed. They kind of, they kind of were at the end of the nineties. You know, they they were they were still they were still in the long season type thing, and uh, they only won like three, I think, like three league titles. But I mean, it was more difficult back then. Um, I would I would assume La Puente would have probably won six. You know, uh, anyways. Uh, so you had that's that's when the Torneo Cortos you had yeah, the Pachuca, Santos, Toluca. Those teams were the ones that became pretty dominant. And um, 2012, so now we're getting close to now. That's when uh, you had the rebranding. So Primera became Liga MX, which I don't know if you guys remember uh, when they were talking about rebranding. One of the names was Premier, Liga Premier MX. But they went, I guess they just went with Liga MX. Which yeah, is kind I of closer. You guys thought that they were, they were, they considered that adding the Premier. Yeah, they they had gone and they had studied because that's what uh, England had done when they be, like I guess like around '92 they became the Premier League, and 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 so they kind of went to see what what some of the changes the league had done. They were trying to kind of replicate some of that, which is which is you kind of see they, it they now with, with the rules about like. Your stadium has to be this big, and you need to have all this, all this like criteria to be a. It's kind of they, what they they're missed, doing now, huh? They missed the really big, uh, the really big uh, point that the Premier League has. Oh, oh man, you know they were gonna miss it. Come on, Juwan. Yeah. Two two yeah. televisoras. Yeah. Yeah. No, you got two yeah. televisoras competing. <laughs> that's like, they, that's what, they're that's, never. That's what made the Premier League so strong, though. You know, like. You can't require these guys to. I mean, the money is the money really there to upgrade the stadiums? If if there's no. Well, there... a lot of them did. If you look at it now, you know, like Puebla, yeah. all of these teams have had new Chivas, Monterrey, America didn't. You know, America always had, but they modernized it. You know, so. Caxa recently also. Was... Yeah, yeah, that was Calientes. They they built a new stadium. So that was one of the things with the new stadiums, and a lot of teams did do that. And then you even had, like, Atlante moving to, to Acapulco and doing a stadium. So it, it was one of the, one of the you, you could say, one of the improvements. Uh, so just so, so now we get to the current time. Um, so right now at the top of the heap, you have America and Chivas with 12 league titles each. They're followed by Toluca. Choriceros have ten. Santander. <laughs> I don't know, but hey, Toluca came close to winning the eleventh. So I, I do think Toluca, they, they, they do. I, I feel that they might um, catch up to Chivas soon. Um, Chivas in America. And then, yeah, I do think they're gonna catch up. They're I, I just. You guys mentioned that they would be that Chivas would be getting surpassed soon. I think you're the one that said it because I did. Been... Well, you know what? And I wrote I wrote this in Big Soccer, and I wrote it over ten years ago, and I said that America was going to surpass us in league titles just because you know all of the sordid, everything going on, everything that you know, it, it almost seems like going up a hill, you know. And and every time, like even even like having even with clubs being able to 
bring in 10, 10 extranjeros, you know, even that could make it difficult. Um, yeah. So, yeah, America did surpass him, and she was recently tied him. Huh? You, you agreed with Almeida back then. <laughs> no. I, I, you, you just did it. You just did it. In the man, room. I... I'm not going to get into this right now, Juwan. God damn it. I am consistent, but but I do think uh, when they keep changing the rules, it, it it could, you know, because the transfer, it's it's the transfer that makes it difficult. And, and, and but then with, with your Chivas, right? And, and so now it's more difficult to buy a local player because there's less, there's less talent. So it costs more. And if your Chivas... That comes at an added premium. It's like an added bonus, and uh, and I think if if you have a bad management, that makes it even more harder. Because when when uh, who was it? The De La Torres, and they had Juan Jose Franchi, and they had Ivar Cisniega, and they were able to negotiate and bring in some top players like Bofo, Carmona. You know, they they brought in a lot of players that were national team caliber players without any problems, but then after those guys left, and then you had, you know, the, the carousel, then Chivas couldn't even, he couldn't sign anyone, and they were paying premium price for players that were, like, like, Angel Reina, they were like, you know, they weren't wanted by teams, but, but then even Chivas had to pay double, you know, for a player that most teams wouldn't even want to sign. So I, 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 that's where it becomes, I think Chivas makes it more difficult for themselves. Uh, so, but Juwan, I mean, you distracted me way. So, oh. Are you finished with the, uh. No, I had, Chiquis, do you have the, it shows who's the champions, you know, who, how many ligas oh, each so team has. It. You have seven for uh, Pumas, six for Pachuca, six for Santos, seven for Leon, and six for Tigres. There you go, man. So that's where we're at right now. So, so it's a it's bunch, a bunch, con- a bunch of congestion down there in the lower, the lower numbers. But I agree that Chivas and, Ch- and the, Ch- the Chivas state right now, Toluca could very well catch up. America, America. Yeah, and Cruz Azul, and Cruz Azul. Uh, I have my doubts on Cruz. I'm not as optimistic as John is on uh, Cruz Azul. But, you know, let's keep in mind, even when the whole Cruz Azuliala joke, that was their playing yeah. finals. They were losing finals. Yeah, they were think, Yeah, Cruz Yeah, they were subcampionissimo. I think they get a lot of flag. But if you look at, like, an Atlas, Atlas doesn't even make a final. Like, And, and some of these other teams, even like Querétaro, you know, with all due respect, the, they won the Copa under Bucetich, and that's that's their only trophy in first division. So you have a lot of teams that Puebla and all these other teams that don't won't even get to play a final. So so I, I do think Cruz Azul it's it's in their DNA, man. I think they will come back and and uh, challenge once again. And and this season is is testament to that because. They're one of the teams that did the best inversiones and, and the best transfers. Yeah, we'll have to see. I don't have full confidence in them or uh, or Pumas. 
Pumas lost <laughs> Nico Castillo, and oh, I think they're, yeah. going, they're going downhill without him. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do think that Pumas has Pumas management hasn't been all there, man. And Santos, I think Santos, Santos did their thing, you know. That that's been their their uh, modus modus operandi. The whole they build a championship team. They win their players, you know. Their stock goes up. They'll dismantle that team, and then they rebuild again. And and their current team just doesn't seem that strong. They got rid of Nestor Araujo, Izquierdos, and Di Giannini. and that's man, that's that's some that's some really strong players to to you know. Yeah, so I think they're they're going to be done for a little while. I think someone yeah. like a three-year plan. Yeah, it's like uh, let their, three, let their yeah, youth. Dan. Yeah, Dan was telling us that. Yeah, so they if their youth can, back can every... yeah, their youth is going to have to step up. They still have them. The, the Santos youth is going to have to step up, and I, I don't know if they're going to acquire anybody in the meantime. I think they still have Fuchs. But uh, it's going to be tough for them, I believe. Yeah, no, I I do think they will. They they just those were some heavy hitters. I mean, the the your two main central defenders, Skirdos was the captain, and he he when they were doing that, he was the one guy that would that guy would score important goals too. Uh, so yeah, missing Skirdos and Narajo, arguably one of the best Mexican defenders. You know, yeah. Di was the leading goal scorer. So yeah, that's that's a, you, you got rid of like three key players, man. Some sometimes losing just one can affect you, as we saw with Chivas losing Gallito, losing three. That's yeah. Who knows? Who knows? We'll we'll see what Tivoldi has in store for us. I think they they got some canteranos, and you know, with no descenso, they got time to to bleed them in. That's what I'm expecting. No, I, I do think some of the some of the teams are gonna take advantage of that of the no descenso, and and that's the one thing I think Chivas should do too. You know, they should take full advantage of that. And, but I don't think they've done a good job of communicating that to the fans, saying like, "Look, there's no descenso. We want to concentrate on the cantera, you know, and and we got all these promising players, and now's the time to like to build a good a, a good you know." A good team from from the youth, but but I don't, I know I feel like they they've sort of jumped that. They're sort of like, hey, Joey. yeah. Did you did you see the did you see that uh, the the link I posted from record one of the articles that supposedly oh. Vergara was sick or something? Oh, what? Oh, but that's been known, man. That is the one that he said that he's had his son a Maori. Yeah, but I guess take, oh, that's that's been for a while now, man. That that's been the case for a long while now. Where, uh, and and I mentioned in one of the podcasts, and when there was the voting to see who would, you know, they were voting to renew the the license for the Mexican national team, and as the presidents of the clubs were were going to the voting, and it was yeah. Igera and Amaury that Igera and Amaury. And and even before that, to some of these big FMF meetings, it was it was uh, Iguera showing up. Yeah, Vergara's been kind of MIA for a while. 
he they even said that was one of the reasons uh one of the reasons why Almeida left was because he was no longer even picking up his calls, man. He wasn't returning his tweets. He, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't follow him back. <laughs> he wasn't retweeting or liking, man. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, this guy would have some problems with Liguera and he'll, he'll pick up his red phone, you know, his direct line to... Uh, uh, the bad phone. <laughs> phone, dude. Direct line to... To Vergara, dude, and uh, this guy wasn't answering, man. He's he was like in New York, I think. Yeah. He was just traveling and just tra- yeah, he had had an accident, so he's had a few health problems, and I think he crashed a motorcycle, uh, you know, a while back. So I, I don't I don't think this guy, you know, around the time Igara came in, I think Vergara was checking out. He was ready to sell the team too. That's when we had all these rumors of Slam buying the club, and and I do think there was truth to that. But uh, but I think Higuera came in and said, "Hey, you know, let me, let me help you." And and this is the big rumor now coming in recently. But I haven't I haven't gotten the sources, but it was being reported in uh, ESPN Deportes, uh, Raza Deportiva. They were saying that and uh, that Higuera is cousins with. One of the Televisa guys. I'm not sure if it's John De Luisa, but man, that's pretty huge if that's true, you know. And and as we know, uh, Higuera is Americanista fan. His whole tweets were all were all pro America tweets. You know what? I, I think it was uh, John De Luisa. Yeah, that's his cousin, like primo hermano. Yeah. So. Man, that's some heavy implications. And if that's true, that could mean, uh, yeah, ciao. Uh, ciao, Almeida, man. Because I, not what Almeida did, but what his agent did was wrong. You know, I, I think his agent, he he messed up right there when he leaked. He, he leaked that email, you know, with the whole... You know the 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 Chivas email where they were saying um what was it the the for the to to the contract you know because he had three years and they were trying to negotiate his his despedida you know like we'll pay you one year yeah man but to leak that that's just it looks bad you know you you lose trust in some of these other owners they're like. They're not going to want to work with you. Yeah. So who knows, man? And and then just going into Higuera, I mean, not Higuera, Almeida, I mean, Argentina recently sacked San Paoli. And we, you know, uh, we all heard that Almeida is one of the candidates. So I guess this week we'll find out if just how true that is, you know? I, but I, but you know, I... If they're looking at Almeida, I think Sampaoli is like the same school but better. You know, I mean, he, yeah. he did great Chile once up. So, because the, the players showed in this cycle, they can play that, that high-octane, uh, you know, pressing game counter, and counter-pressing when they lose possession. Um, so Wait, I, who, I, who are you talking – what players are you talking about? To me? Oh, no, no, no. But, but see, right now I'm talking Mexico. about not Sampaoli. 
Not yeah, but I'm not talking about Tampa coming to Mexico. I'm talking about if Almeida, if Almeida will go to Argentina. I, I think he's one of the candidates. I just don't think he's one of the top candidates. I think they'll see like Pochettino, maybe. I don't know so much Gallardo because um, the the people in charge right now of of Alpha seem to be the Boca Junior camp, and and Gallardo is is River Plate. It's always Almeida. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> you know what? I, 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 but but Almeida's not with them right now compared to I mean, Gallardo. He's a, he's a big River Plate guy. I mean, you know he. He is. He, he when is. they went down, he was a player. He retired as a player, became the coach, and got them promoted. Um, but, but what I wonder is is because Baker man, uh, he stepped down the, from the Colombia job, right? He did. So, yeah, I think he's another candidate. So. You know, I, I remember reading something that he was going to go in there to be the Don, you know, to basically... Uh, oh, take over everything? Team. Yeah, take over everything and, and just set up uh, the program, like, kind of like, uh, like a well, GM, they, I guess. They do need that because uh, Hugo Grondona, which was the son, he's the son of Humberto Grondona. So Humberto Grondona was a... He's a alpha, he was alpha president and he was, he was like a vice president of FIFA. You know, was he was he, right up there with... Joao Avalanche, huh? And Comen, wasn't with Comenbol? Wasn't Julio Grandona the Comenbol president, or is my? I don't know if he was, because uh, I know there was the dude from Paraguay. I keep forgetting his name. It was a, it was a Paraguayo that was the the president. Around, you know, a few years back, Campania. before the FIFA's gate. But anyways, after after Humberto died. Uh, Hugo Grondona, which is son, and Hugo Grondona was, he even worked with FMF. He had the, he had the youth national teams right before, uh, 2005. So he almost took that team to Peru. He almost took it, but he got sacked because he failed to qualify to the under 20. Uh, and so they sacked him and, uh, they had, uh, Burillo Azcárraga, from his own pocket, he had paid to have uh, Chucho coach the under-15. So it's interesting because you had you had um, you had you you had man, I'm, I'm forgetting I'm forgetting uh, no, you had Hugo Hugo Grandona coaching the under-17 right? He was under. He was the, the head of the, all the youth coaches. So he had under twenty and uh, under seventeen. But then uh, Burrillo Ascarraga said, you know, he 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 used to be um, he used to be with the FMF, and he's a pre, he's a primo of uh, of the Ascarragas of the Televisa. Yeah, he's a he's a cousin, and he used to he owned the um, he used to you know like some soccer United marketing. So he yeah. used to own he used to own soccer dos mil. That was the name, Soccer Los Mil, and and they organized all the games in the U.S. So that's that's you know, and and he built the Centro de Alto Rendimiento, which is the car. So he he built it for because uh, he had Atlante, and Atlante was in the F. So man, this guy Burillo, man, he he's like a hero, man. I, I think he doesn't get enough credit. He's the guy that brought in Aguirre when when the first time when Mexico was about to get eliminated. Yeah, and yeah, he's the guy. He's he brought him in, 
and he's a guy who, who, uh, so he saw what was going on, you know, because, uh, Mexico had failed to qualify to all the youth tournaments, Olympics, every, every, every youth tournament, they, they, they failed to qualify. And yeah. he, yeah, he's, he's the one that started like to put money into that. And he created the under 15 and he put, he put Chucho on the, in charge of under 15, which is pretty young kids. And, and after Hugo got sacked, they just gave it to Chucho who had, you know, he had, he had worked uninterrupted. And that was the under 15, which I, to me, I think it was pretty huge. It was a huge win, you know, to win that youth tournament. Yeah. Well, it's thanks to Hans, you know, he was working with, uh, Hans, with, Hans, with no mom is way. No he had the Chivas players in, uh, playing <laughs> in Europe and, uh, and uh, Chucho hadn't called in some of the players. Then he he saw them win this tournament. He he called in Bella and. Uh, oh, okay, okay. I give you, yeah. You have Michael. a point there, Juwan. I uh, give you some credit uh, for that, Juwan. You know. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> they won the milk cup. No, you're right because. The, the, yeah, the gold. Yeah, the one of the only players that was like, that were like already was a. Uh, Giovanni, see, I think he was already in Barcelona. Uh, he was one of the main players, but not, but not Vela. Vela came later, and then even even Chicharro was in that group, but he didn't make the final cut. Yeah, it, it was that other guy from Morelia. What was his name? He, he scored it, one of the goals. Dude, what, what, what a disappointment <laughs> in his career! But you know, he's in second division. I had people telling me Everett was going to be the real deal, man. You know, his goals were so, they were so ugly, man. They were so, (laughs) he's like falling on his ass and he's tripping over people and he was just extremely clumsy. But then he would just, he'd go in and score a goal, man. I mean, you know, he's like the freaking, he was Chicharito before Chicharito was Chicharito. (laughs) You know? Chicharito, man, United had the same thing. Um, Jolie, did did you give your feedback on Cruz Azul? How how they how oh John said right? Yeah, John is no, pro. I, yeah, John is pro uh, Belias, which Good. I am too. I, I'm I'm you know I was reading about him. I'm I, I even I am I'm impressed with the. I'm expecting positive things out of them because he went in there and he's. That guy's just disciplined, man. He just goes into work. He doesn't, you know, he met with the players. And he, it seems like he has a strong relationship with, uh, uh, what's his name? The coach? Yeah, the coach is the guy. The Matosas? Is it? No, no, it's Caixinha. Caixinha, dude, Portuguese. Yeah. You know, they, they, they're like, they're on the same page. They, they've got the same game plan going, so... Um, it's promising, you know. Well, you know what? Do I remember Beto being a Cruz Azul fan back in the day, man? He, but he denied. He it. was before he 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 became a Gatos. I don't recall that, man. Yeah, I, I recall <laughs> that you were a Cruz Azul fan. I, I remember, dude. You had like either you had the avatar or you were always he talking was, about them. You know what? Now that you mention, I think he ha- did have that Cruz Azul avatar. Beto, you cambio barcos y jumping ship. No, I don't recall that, man. It must have been making fun of Cruz Azul or something. But it was like in nine. <laughs> or when was it? 
It was in 98 when I went to no. Nam for the first time and saw Pumas. Oh. You fell in love with the... Influence. I got influenced. With the Goya. The Pumas for the Goya. You were chanting Goya. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. you know I, I think Cruz Azul is one of the favorites as is Tigres. Tigres is right now. And America, I think I think those three teams are the main candidates to win the league title. Yeah, yeah. I, like I was saying before, the uh, the club soccer predictions, the S, uh, power rankings, have okay. Monterrey yeah. have Mo- Monterrey up top. With, Monterrey uh, Rayados. Yeah, Rayados, and then Tigres, and then Cruz Azul, and then Santos, which I don't know if I agree with. Then America. Toluca. Yeah, I could have seen Santos if they would have kept their team, but they dismantled it, you know. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know how those, these numbers come into uh, how they calculate them. But, uh, yeah, but they have I mean, tool up there, so. From when was it though? Like when, when was if it's recent, or is it from a few months back? It was updated July 18, so that was yesterday. Oh yeah, they, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with the Santos either. Um, I, I think they could make Liguilla, but I don't. I wouldn't put them as candidates. Dude, they, I, they, took a, they took a freaking a whooping from Tigres in the. Yeah, they did. They, they, they Tigres opened a can of whoop ass in the cup. And, you know, and speaking of cups, you know who, after going through uh, rehab, you know who lifted another cup again. <laughs> it was Kulit. <laughs> Kulik Peña, man, with Nicaxa. Hey, I'm happy for him because I, you know, he's a talent, man. He's 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 a good player to have, I, and I hope we recover him for for you know into the next cycle. Well, uh, he played a big part in Chivas' uh, championship run. Yeah, is yeah he. I know, but he he went through some through some problems, you know, and he. So the Nicaxa, when Nicaxa hired him. Because uh, Cruz Azul had, they Cruz Azul gave him a chance, and he and he he was a major letdown, and uh, he wasn't gonna find a job. Like no 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 club wanted to touch him anymore, because he had a uh, you know. By this point, it was known he was an alcoholic, and, and when he was in Chivas, that was the whole joke. That and it was the rumors, and it turned out to be true that he would show up, he would show up crudo to the training. Or that as soon as the, the the team training would would end, he would he would go to the liquor store. He'll go hit the bars. <laughs> yeah, he's not so, he's not coming back, dude. He ain't coming. No, back. no. Well, well, Chiki's Chiki's. Um, check it out, man. <laughs> he's that was one of the conditions. Nekaxa said, if, "If we hire you, you have to, you know, you have is to go going, to like, like, is he going like to Alcoholicos Anonymous." <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty much, dude. Yeah, no, they they told him like. This is the condition. We're gonna check up on you regularly, and if you slip up, that's it. We're just. Well, I I don't know if it's in the contract, but but that was their condition to hire him, and I think he he uh, he took it because he had disappeared. P- people were scared. They thought he went suicidal. Yeah, wasn't he? Disappeared he, uh, for like two days. And then he showed and up my, with his family. <laughs> yeah, he, he tweeted. So he went MIA for like for like two days, where like no one could get a hold of him, and and because you know. Uh, let's remember during the draft and all this, uh, 
you know, Cruz Azul put him up and nobody wanted him. It was like he was like he was like in the bargain bin and, and nobody wanted a, to cool it. So so he think, he reappeared, huh? You you think that trip uh, to Scotland uh, didn't help him out? Nah, man. I think he was eating like shepherd pies and and <laughs> whatever beers they had. <laughs> hey, hey, man. This, <laughs> you, you know, you know, Gulli is a good candidate. You know how like players, whenever they retire and everything, they 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 get, gain the dad bod or they they get out of shape like uh, Maradona. You see him, or you see Ronaldo, the Brazil Ronaldo. Yeah. <laughs> Gulli is gonna be the worst thing. You like in like when he's fifty or something, that dude is gonna be. Well, you know who he's gonna be huge, man. He's gonna be. You think you think he's gonna have Pastor a? Lozano. Remember. He's gonna have the barriga, dude. You think he's gonna, gonna wash out, be a borracho, and then like in ten years he's gonna like be the be like the next <laughs> bad news bears to you know. Oh snap! No, you know who did develop that panza, man? That was, that was um. El panzas. That was um, goddamn Pastor Lozano. He was at Tigres. El Pastor Lozano, man, and he well even while playing, he had he had quite a belly on him, dude. You know what? He I'm not clinic. kidding. The current jerseys wouldn't have fit on him, man. He, he had a clinic here in 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 LA, like in Paramount, not too long ago. I think they were charging. Uh, Shit. Se quiebre con la panza, we. Yeah, 70, like seventy-five <laughs> bucks for 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 like a three-hour training session with him. Cause you know they say you do a quebre with the cintura, but he would do it with the belly. You know, <laughs> you, see his, you see his stomach going one way, his feet are already going the other, dude. Dang, and dude. Uh... <laughs> his knees are done. Yeah, yeah no, Pastor, but but Gullet, so Gullet took that deal with Necaxa, and he's been. He's been doing good, and Necaxa just won a title with uh, Leandro Jr. at the helm. That's uh, that's one uh, that's a big promise there, man. Leandro winning his first trophy, dude, as a debutante, no? Yeah, especially with so very little Mexican coaches coming up. So you yeah. have Rafa Puente, and, and now you have Leandro. That's that's pretty promising. He, he could be the he could be the the future. He's the future Mexican Guardiola. I don't hey, know about side. that, but one can only hope. <laughs> yeah, on a side note, I wanna I wanna deviate for for a minute. The uh, Joel doesn't know this, but Iguera, since uh, Iguera blocked Joel, um, <laughs> he did. Huh? He, twe- he tweeted something that sounds just like Joel. He said, he said, uh, thanks for your. He's replying to some dude. He said, thanks for your comments. Uh, I doubt. Can you answer? Can you answer me this question? Seventeenth place is that a bad tournament? <laughs> no, not winning it uh, at home for more than one game over hace dos torneos lugar trece. Is that acceptable? He's pretty much dissing Chivas for pretty much the same reasons that Joel has for the last not, few not months. Not Chivas, Almeida. Well, Almeida. Yeah, he's yeah Almeida, Almeida and Chivas, the same thing. Uh, I, no, because, uh, well, I mean, I don't know, but to me, he's taking shots at Almeida. Saying he's not yeah, yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. So, so what, Al, what you're saying is that 
He's listening to the podcast. He's listening to Juan, yeah. <laughs> he, blocked him. he blocked him on Twitter, but he's listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he did block him. I did try to get back in his good gracious because it's funny. When he came in, I just, I hated that guy. But I've since come to to appreciate some of the stuff he's done, which is weird. But I give him credit. I don't think fans give him as much credit as he deserves. You know, he did bring Almeida, which is funny. <laughs> So you know, now he gets hated for getting rid of him, but he he brought him in and he he brought in some of these players. He brought in Pulido, Pizarro, Gallito. He he brought in the players that made it possible. So it's like uh, I, I do think in in a way he's been a bit more responsible for this last title than Almeida was. Interesting. Uh... Or, or at least play as big as a role as a coach did, you know. And then to lose to lose faith and think, oh, you can't do it again, or you don't know what you're doing, is is kind of messed up. Uh, yeah, and I actually like Almeida, except he ha- he doesn't have necessarily some of the attributes that there that we talked about earlier, uh, specifically number eight, which is World Cup experience as a coach, at, at least. But I actually do like. Uh, I think it'd be interesting to have Almeida take over the national team. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 so you support him, Beto? I think I would. Um, I, I agree with what everyone's been saying, well, with Joel and John is, was saying earlier about uh, uh, a local a countryman being the coach that's led the team to the World Cup. Uh, for example, France with uh, the champs. So uh, Almeida isn't local, isn't a Mexican, but I mean, he's, he's been with Chivas. Uh, I would, I would support him. I actually, I actually have been saying this sort of low key, but I like Hugo Sanchez. I would like to see Hugo Sanchez get another chance. He seems interested and I know it's not going to happen. I know everybody hates him and stuff, but I agree with you, Al, but I think it, look, he look, would look, need. Sorry, sorry. No, sorry. no I'll just finish. I just think he needs a good assistant coach. But I think with a, with a good assistant coach, I think Hugo would would also be a good candidate. You know, I think the counterpoint to that is is look at um, look at Belgium. Look how far they got without um, a Belgian coach. You know. You know, but it helps to have a a stacked team, right? And I think yeah, they're, they're, they're go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna to echo that. That was their their team is just so talented. And then in two thousand two, uh, didn't South Korea get to the semifinals with a uh, uh, Gus Hitting? Or am I? They did, but they were hosts. Yeah, but I mean, that, that that's the final, dude. I mean, I I, I wouldn't care if, if Mexico's hosting in, in 2026 and they make the semifinals. Semifinals and semifinals, bro. You could be third place. You know that? Yeah, but it, that, he's saying that's, that's, that's it's easier, though. It's easier if you're host. Yeah, well, so well, but Germany, Germany was like, their, their program was in shambles. You know, they got to the 2002 final, but even they knew that was like the end of the, the road for that squad and... Uh, so 2006, they they hosted. They had a big youth movement. They got to, 
semifinals, I think, with, with Joaquin Lowe and, and Klinsman, and that kind of sparked their their 2014 run because Joaquin Lowe had a continuation with the squad, you know, and it peaked in, in 2014. Um, yeah, so Mexico could use that that type of uh, continuation. Yeah, that an eight year, yeah, an yeah. eight year process. It's been a. Jolie, Jolie was saying uh, Del Bosque is a candidate for Mexico. Where'd you hear that, Jolie? Um, they were saying that in Raza, but they were saying it since a long time ago. They were reporting that um, the dude from Pachuca, I'm forgetting his name, what's the Archie also? guy? No, no, no. The, the, He's the vice president of Pachuca. Oh, uh, uh, oh, the the president, the Argentinian. Uh, yeah, I forget his name right now. Well, the Bosque is. Uh, we could say he's sort of. Uh, he's sort of Mexican. He's a Mexican colonizer. Oh <laughs> 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 snap! <laughs> Sorry. So, so they're saying that like because. Grupo Pachuca has been trying to put in the coach. They're the guys that went after Bielsa, um, you know. And so so after the Siete Cero, it was reported that, that you know, they approached Del Bosque, who was willing to do it. But Del Bosque said, I'm not, I'm not going to try to negotiate while you still have a coach, though. But I would be interested. Um, so the, the rumors have sprung up again that, He's one of the candidates. One thing is that he's up there in age. I think he's about 80 years old. Pretty old oh, dude. Del Bosque? He's yeah. 67. Oh, he's, I said 80. <laughs> 80's really old. 70. He's, he's, 70 he's, he's 70, yeah. So he'll be, he'll okay. be 71 by the, by, the goal, by the tournament. That's not bad. That's not bad. But, you know, and, and I would say, like, maybe the one thing that he has a good advantage is where... Mexicans can have some of these divas, but then when you see a coach like Del Bosque who's won everything, you can't be a diva with him, you know. You're not you're not gonna impress that guy. He's he's at the world's greatest players, he's won all the top tournaments. You know, if you're Chicha Dios, what what are you gonna tell him, you know? You, I mean, you know what I mean? You're you're not gonna punk him the way you can punk other yeah, he doesn't have to imagine him. He's done him, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he has yeah, the that, cabinet to prove it. That whole that phrase is a, like, is a weak mentality. He read it in the nineties. What happened? When they brought in Menotti in the in the nineties. Yeah, that was similar. Um, but that was like a mess because you in the nineties you had basically Televisa controlled all the TV. And and that's that was one of the things that was going on. So, and, and it's and it's interesting if you read if you, if you see how the, they would negotiate, they would negotiate per game. So basically, like if you were a team uh, back then, not all not all of your games would be televised. They would probably televise like only a handful of games, and Televisa was was able to pretty much name the price, and and that was one of the things that was happening. The other thing happening was in Mexico was that Televisa used to be the only open air station. 
And so, but that point you had Tevasteca coming in. So that's that's kind of what happened with Emilio Mauger. And I forget I forget the name of the other guy, but he was the president of Atlas. And they took over FMF, and they handed a lot of the a lot of the rights to Televisa. I mean, to Tevasteca, but and they're the guys that brought in Menotti. But Televisa came back, you know. They came back with a vengeance, man. Uh, Mauder was thrown in jail, you know. They dug up dirt on yeah. him, threw him in jail, man. And, and uh, you know, all these people that had gone against them, they almost lost, you know, they almost lost their spot. So then Televisa took, took over all over again. But but I guess a good thing was that now um, they've begun sharing the rights with, with the Azteca. So then... That's that's when you kind of saw the rise of the Joseras and then that's he became a big you know they're, they're the ones that were reporting against a lot of the bad stuff from tele which is Cachirules was also back in the nineties you know that was the other thing with the Cachirules um the well, Cachirules was a little bit before because I think it was like what ninety one ninety no yeah before ninety eighty nine yeah eighty nine yeah, before you really 90. And then Bielsa came in, I mean, Bielsa, Minuti came in 93. So, so yeah, late 90s, early 90s, that's when you had this whole power struggle. And and eventually, like, Televisa got control of it again, but but Tevesteca did, did end up, you know, getting some some of the rights for the for national teams. And then just recently, you had it all over again. And and the same thing had happened with with Mexico opening up the number of uh, free TV on air, which was it was two stations. Now they're up at four. There's four stations that that could show, um, you know, they show their content, which is on free TV. You don't you don't need to have cable. And, and Salim's, but, Salim's company on one of them. One of them. I'm not sure because you have Imagen and and I don't know if Claro his. His his was Claro, and I don't know if they won it. I don't know if Claro TV won one of the fourth, um, but I know Imagen is the other one. Um, so if you see now who televises what games, you you, you could you know you you could see. I, I I don't have a current list, but but you could see who has what what teams. Um, so the power stroke. But but that was. Yeah, that was the reason, and and we saw with Grupo Pachuca was trying to go up against Televisa, and that's when Televisa dug up all this dirt on them, with with um you know with the state, with with the Pachuca giving them uh, all this stuff, and then Martinez Garza was like, "Keep this, you know, just we don't want we don't want to get involved in this," and and Televisa ended up, you know, renewing the rights for like eight more years, which is up until twenty twenty six, and and um. That's where we're at, man. It's where I'm going, guys. I have to go Andres Pasi, there you go. Here, that's the guy. Hey, wait, before, the guy. You, before you go, we got we to gotta get your, oh, your really uh, predictions. Quick. Oh, man. Yeah, Liga MX winner, failure, and surprise. Goddamn. I'm between Tigres and Cruz Azul. I'm going to go with Tigres, though. I think Cruz Azul is going to 
put up a fight and get get pretty high, maybe semifinals. But I, I think Tuca, El Tucanazo is going to do it, uh, you know. And then surprise team. Oh man. Um. Well, failure, failure. I'm gonna say is um, Monterrey. I'm gonna say Monterrey is the failure. Um, you know, even with Diego Alonso, uh, I think they're not gonna. That's the team that was like favorites to win it, and and that's right. Oh man, I forgot about Pizagol, man. Never mind. Never, never mind. You just, you just pinched. <laughs> You just changed my mind, Chinkies. Okay. <laughs> you, you just changed my mind. I, I think, uh, yeah, we could be looking at another Monterrey final, man. Uh, Goddamn. Uh, yeah, so. They're, they're and a then, <laughs> yeah, they're a stack team with a good coach. So we could be looking at, at another Clásico Regio Montano final. So that, that'll be my prediction. Uh, another Clásico Regio Montano final. Uh, Chivas, I don't, I don't know Chivas, man. Um, they let go of all their experience. Huh? I, I, I don't think they're going to do as bad as they did last season, though. They might not qualify to Liguilla, but I think they're going to fight for it. Uh, I think if, if uh, Cardoso could work his magic, getting some of these guys, you know, light a fire in their ass to start scoring goals, then I do think Chivas has some talent to surprise Godinez, you know, and, and Pulido, they, they're good talents, you know, but they just, they, they're not scoring like they should. Um, and then, ouch, man, so I'm, I'm having, having a hard time with who's the, who's the surprise and who's the fracaso, you know. Um, fracaso, I'm going to say Santos. I'm going to say Santos. I, I think for having winning the league, I think they might not even qualify. So I'm going I'm to give it to Santos. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give it to dance team. That's, that's what you get for not coming in tonight. And then, um, <laughs> uh, he's coaching, remember, he's coaching a team now. He is, he is the under six. Um, and mm-hmm. surprise, uh, you know, I might say Lobos because I know they brought in, uh, I think Lobos Pua brought in, um, La Puente, and I think they have, uh, are those the guys that brought in a Palencia? Because La Puente is not coaching, right? He's like a... No, no, he's like a general manager. And, but, yeah, yeah, surprise. And then also, who knows with, with Atlas? Because Atlas could be a... Atlas is... is uh, Marquez is, is now one of the dudes calling the shots for, for Atlas. He's a... Well, what's his what's his post? What's his role? Who knows, man? But I didn't see him do any big contrataciones. So it's you know what? I'm gonna give it to Querétaro because it has my boy, has my boy Puente Junior, man. I gotta go with. I think they're gonna be the surprise right there, Querétaro, man. Right. I'm going with that guy. So. Uh, hey, Paco, he's a Lobos Wap. Yeah, he is right. So. Valencia. So yeah, so. So I'm predicting another Clásico Región Montano final. Uh, fracaso Santos and, and surprise Querétaro. There. Gotcha. That's, gotcha. that's that. Chavos. Me, me voy porque me pegan. I will right, be listening. I must still be listening, though, to see what you and Juan's uh, right. predictions are. Yeah, I might have a bone to pick with Juan over here in a minute. We'll see. Oh, <laughs> you want to talk basketball? 
Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. All right. But hold on. The, hold on. I got to get your predictions, though. Okay. Your, uh, your winner, failure, and surprise. All right. Look, I'm going to go with, with the failure, first of all. It's going to be Atlas. You know, <laughs> Chivas, Chivas actually uh, op- opened a can of Wolpass in a closed-door friendly. Uh, they beat them 4-0. Uh, which leads me to my next uh, my next pick. Uh, the surprise of the tournament is going to be Chivas, and they they're going to make Liguilla, but they're going to give the the uh, what's it called the the world the club the Mundial de Clubes a priority. So I oh, see yeah. them I see them like finishing fourth in the season. Uh, be, because of the playing style, it's going to change. It's going to be a little bit more conservative. Um, but so with Cardoso, you got the sharpshooters now uh, running and gunning, uh, <clears throat> which is kind of, I mean, it brings me to a little bit of a side rant that why can't the freaking teams have a, a coach for finishing, you know, a coach for crossing, a coach for one for, to improve your 1v1 skills. Um, but, you know, that's besides the point. And yeah. I think, I think Cruz Azul gets, wins it, dude. I think uh, with, with Pelias, I think he's going to, and Kaishina already, the you know, I, I think it's like a good thing. You can see the good dynamic uh, between them and and the players, and and they're and that's making the program strong. I think they're 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 gonna win it. No no subcampeonato this time. They're gonna take it on. Alrighty. Yep. Very good. We got them down. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. What were your picks? Uh. Did you see them already? Yeah, well, I haven't said them, but I've read them down. Except uh, my surprise. I'm not sure who the surprise is. But my winner, I think, uh, and I picked them last last season, uh, which failed, but Monterrey, Rayados. I think they're going to, with with Pizarro and Gallardo, I think this this match of high-caliber high players is going to do them, do them good. Because la- last season they did bring in, uh, they brought in a ton, they brought in a, Vizcaya, what, what's it? How do you say that dude's last name? Oh. Vizcaya. Uh, Urrete Vizcaya. Vizcaya from uh, Pachuca. From Pachuca, and I thought he, I thought they were stacked with him, and so I thought they were going to do good, but they, you know, they didn't do as well. But I think this time around they'll, they'll do okay, and they're going to win it. But uh, and then the failure, I think America. I haven't heard too much about what they're doing. I see injuries. I see Menes got injured, and uh, someone else got injured. So I don't. I don't Dude, think they they're gonna. Players. They did. They lost three or four players, man, during their friendly, their friendly tour in in the U.S. Oh jeez, yeah. You so, know. and then my surprise, I don't, I don't really know who, who I'm looking to be as a surprise. I might go with Juan or with uh, John and say Pumas, but I have my doubts for them. But we'll see. So yeah. That's what I got. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know any other topic that you want to go over, unless you want to talk some b-ball, which we yeah, can we better can, we can better explain. B-ball, the cantina makes uh, after hours uh, b-ball. All right. <laughs> so let me let me. Uh, or do do you want to start it, or should I give my uh, ahead, my ahead. initial premise? Yeah, yeah. Go okay. for it. I want to hear what you got to say. Well, we, we sort of brought it up earlier where uh, 
And then uh, I think, who was it? Somebody on Twitter replied to us because I was tweeting out some of the stuff I was saying. But it goes to like the, the Celtics, the old school Celtics. They've won what I think Hoel said, 13 NBA championships. But that was back in the day. That was like in the ancient times. So the Bulls come up, and I think they are just the dominant team. They've won more titles. Michael Jordan built that team pretty much from scratch. He didn't leave it. He didn't look for a, a ring elsewhere like Charles Barkley, like Shaq did. And we can argue this, but Shaq, Charles Barkley tried Houston and Phoenix, failed and never got a ring. Uh, and then like, and LeBron is doing the same thing. He, he couldn't do anything with Cleveland. He ran out of patience. He moved to Miami with uh, Dwayne Wade to try to get a title. And then he, he obtained that goal and then returned back, I think, repented sort of, went back to Cleveland and they just took him back. And now he's going for money in L.A. So that's my, that's my whole deal. Win them a title in Cleveland, which is pretty hard to do, man. It's a smart market team, man. He basically, who was his sidekick, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, right? Irvin is a main dude, man. Irvin was, I would say, like he's one of the. T- he was equal to LeBron and, uh, as a critical player. Kyrie Irving was. That dude was legit. You know, but Jordan didn't win without Scottie Pippen, dude. He, I mean, it, to me, Jordan is the goal. I'm not making the argument, uh, but I, I, I don't think you can criticize LeBron for his latest move because he's not joining a team that even made. Like the Lakers didn't make the playoffs last year, dude. They were like. They they were still yeah. they were still a lottery team, you know. They finished like uh, like they were the worst twelve team in the league. I think they're or you know somewhere not 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 the top twenty or not, not the last twenty, but not the last ten either. So uh, they were still a lottery team. They could have they could have gotten like one of the first three picks in the in the draft. Uh, so I don't think he's joining a, a contender from last season, but it's a really good young team, man. And uh, and LeBron kind of fits in because the way uh, the Lakers, their front office, they're they're running the team now. They they made a lot of a lot of space to to sign free agents. So like this year will be the first year without with just LeBron and and most of the young players. And and they signed some players, you know, um, some good uh, role players. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't criticize. I mean, well, I do, but I don't blame him for going to L.A. I mean, he's he's won some titles. I don't think he thinks of trying, or he might in his mind think he's better than Jordan mm-hmm. or think he's the GOAT. But uh, I think he's just going, I see him going to L.A., to the Lakers, just like Gio and them went to L.A., Gio and Bill. <laughs> They're just going because it's California, it's a nice place to live, it's Hollywood, It's it's a big-name team, and that's it. I, I think I think definitely there's some like uh, post basketball career. Uh, yeah, exactly. Options, <clears throat> but I think I think the Lakers will be a contender with him, just with because I mean it's still LeBron, dude. He's still the best player in the league, you know. Uh, so I think they're still a contender, but I don't know if they can beat the Warriors. Uh, but that's what they're they're trying. They, they built the team to try to play against the Warriors like a different way and see if they can compete with them. Uh, but next year they can still sign like, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard or Kawhi, I don't know how to say his name. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard. He got shipped to Toronto. He's like a player the the, the Lakers could pick up. So then you're gonna have like your freaking, 
you know, your stack team. You could have like the the you know, like the old Lakers stack teams, you know, with Shaq, Kobe, and a bunch of really good role players. Yeah, yeah, but see, my my criticism of of LeBron is, I guess, it, it's it's just the way Jordan stayed with the Bulls through uh, and and built the team and dominated all teams. Uh, LeBron is sort of you know they're straight, you know he lost to Golden State. Golden but, State's but, got, but got Jordan, his number. Jordan had no competition. The, remember he they they had the. I know because he was building. He was in the process of building the team. Time, you know. I know he was building the team because okay, this is how this is the career. Well, he didn't Jordan. Beat him by himself. That's what I'm saying. There yeah, yeah, exactly. Scotty, you know. I agree, but he 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 built Scotty. Like without Jordan, I don't think Scotty would have been as great. I don't think uh, B.J. Armstrong, Steve Kerr. I don't think all those guys would have been as great or big names without Jordan uh, to give them confidence to be like you know help in the locker room and with his distribution and everything. Just the the confidence he gave. So like his career. At the very beginning, Jordan was a, a one-man team, pretty much what LeBron is even up to now. He was a one-man team, and there's no way you're going to win being a one-man team. And so that's why Jordan struggled at the very beginning because he didn't have no one around him. Once he did start to get people around him and he helped to lift up their play, that's when they started winning, and they smoked the Lakers. They smoked uh, Seattle. Wait uh, a who minute. else? Okay, they, they didn't smoke the Lakers, dude. To me, they smoked the old man Lakers. Yeah, well, I mean, Magic's... Magic's uh... Magic. Magic's last uh, appearance in the finals, but to me, that's probably when he, you know, Magic had the whole illness thing. I think that's when he found out uh, that he was sick because, dude, he played really bad. You know what I mean? Like, Magic had a terrible series in that. In that yeah. But basically, what I'm saying is that there was no competition. Portland as well, like Sergio says. Uh, uh, Seattle, whoever else they beat, or the Jazz. I don't think that was a final. They're on the, yeah, that was a final. That, that was a so there, there was no comp- there was no competition for for the the top uh, era of Jordan and the Bulls, whereas with LeBron, uh, there sort of is, and he did get beat by um, by the Warriors. So I sort of see that as like a, a diminished to his legacy as being the goat. But I I will say like Sergio brought it up, uh, I believe he's a, he's a very close second. Um, but I would yeah. even add to in a one on one in a one on one match. LeBron would LeBron would smoke Jordan just because nah. of size. You don't think so? Kobe smokes all three of them. No way, dude. I Even think Jordan, Jordan smokes Kobe. Even Jordan has said Kobe. The only player that would beat me is Kobe. He said there's like interviews of, of oh, Jordan. Right? Yeah, and, and to me, it's like to me the goats are are Jordan one A, Kobe one B, and and uh, even Phil Phil Jackson coached both of them. Remember, uh-huh. hey, Jordan didn't win without Phil. Neither did Kobe. So. That's that's an advantage for them because LeBron James, I mean, he's got, uh, you know, uh, Lou, Ty Lou, and and you know, I mean, he had Pat Riley, but he wasn't the coach in in, in Miami. When you've got a, you've got a goat level coach with a goal level player, you're gonna have a freaking the the Lakers or the Bulls runs, you know. Yeah, I think you need additional players, but on a one on one match, I don't think James, I don't think anyone beats James. I don't think Kobe beats James. Look at the size difference between those dudes, man. Dude, but Kobe's game was was very dynamic, dude. Same same thing as Jordan. Jordan, he could be physical. He could post up. He could shoot. You know, he had his fadeaway jumpers. He could, he could, uh, you know, make you draw fouls. He could dribble around you. I, I think he's 
he's like a complete player, and so was Kobe. You know. Yeah, I just I just see the size difference being such so uh, being the deciding factor. There's ways there's ways around it. I mean, you know, it's like when remember when Jordan would go go up on on Olajuwon and all these guys uh, ooing. Oh yeah, that was quickness though. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be quickness. Quickness on Kobe and Jordan's part could beat uh, LeBron, but I mean, he's he's so athletic. Yeah, he's, well, that's it, the it, only way. That's the only way he dunked on on Ewing, on whoever else, you know, big man that he dunked on, and Kobe as well is because of this the quickness to the rim. Um, but those guys are a lot larger. Those guys are centers. And, you know, they're tending to be so big and slow compared to, like, a, a guard, which which uh, Jordan and Kobe were. Yeah, I, I think basketball is different in, in this era, though, dude. They, the rules are, are, like, different. The teams are built differently. Um, but I, I think, like, a goal manager like Phil Jackson, to me, is the difference for, for Jordan. Because even, like, he, you know, Phil had, like, he's a great, like, uh, uh, eagle manager, locker room manager. Uh, and the, even his his coaching style, where he's coaching through the media, you know, giving giving feeding comments to for the reporters to repeat back to his players, like that's uh like uh, you know just his whole style. And then he had the the goat of 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 of, uh, of offensive basketball in Tex Winder, man, you know. <laughs> yeah. So those are advantages for Jordan. And for Kobe and LeBron, he doesn't really have it. He's kind of, he's having to, in a way, like he's really his his own coach. At least a lot of stuff I read is where he's really the guy calling the plays and 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 he's just his, maybe his basketball IQ is like off the charts. And maybe that's something Kobe and, and, and Jordan didn't really have to do because they had, you know, they had Phil and they had all the, the great assistant coaches. Maybe that just shows the lack of coaching, because I think the coaches are are really young now. They're they're not really prestigious and experienced as they were back back in the day. Yeah, um, the, old, the old guard is gone. Yeah, and this and this. I mean, I don't like the NBA too much anymore. Ever since Jordan retired, I was like, okay, I'm done with this. But I think there's too many and and Golden State, especially Curry, uh, make it even worse. Is there? There's too many like. Run down the field, run down the uh, the court, and shoot a three, or shoot a three from way out. And and there's no teamwork, there's no passing or uh, or plays. It's just give it to the best player and let him let's see what he does. It reminds me of that uh, of the movie Hoosiers, when the coach was like uh, when Gene Hackman was uh, would say you're not you're not shooting until you pass the ball five times. And uh, and go through their plays, and then you know the one guy who always rebelled and. And would take like the jump shot because he thought he was the best. So I don't, yeah. I don't really, I haven't. I mean, I only watch the NBA when it's the playoffs or or the finals. Yeah, but uh, so but yeah, not much, not, not much lately, right? Because the Bulls haven't. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a Bulls fan. I was more of a Michael Jordan. I'm a, I was more of a player fan, and at the time, I was Michael Jordan fan. Uh, so I liked the Bulls, but after he left, I was like, okay, that's enough of this. Um, but yeah, since the uh, I enjoyed the teamwork, the passing, the screens, and all that stuff, instead of like, here, give it to, give it to LeBron and have him, 
do what he wants or give it to Curry and, and let him shoot from 50 yards out. Wasn't, or just run down the field and shoot, run down the field and shoot. And there wasn't really any, any uh, teamwork to it. So. Oh, you mean LeBron? Yeah. For in today's, today's NBA. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's different, dude. I think they, there's a lot better shooters. Hey, but Jordan, he, I mean, he depended on, on Steve Kerr and BJ Armstrong to hit their threes, you know? Yeah, and that's what I think made him made him a great player was the ability to use because those guys weren't like the best the best players they weren't the Dwayne Wade's or anything like that they were they weren't even as good as like uh, uh, what's his name Kyrie Irving they were just like you know mid uh, mid tier type players that he made I, I think Steve really Chris good better than you give him credit man he's a good shooter. Dennis, Dennis Rodman, he's a freaking beast, man. Yeah, I will give Dennis Rodman like he 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 was very Hor, key Hor, coming Horace in over Grant, from Detroit. Horace Grant. Horace that. Grant stinks. Horace Grant stunk, dude. <laughs> Dave, Dave Corsier, uh, Bill Cartwright. Offensively, you know, but he's a he's a good defender. He's a he's a good rebounder. I mean, what you know? How are you gonna say he stinks? He's not a. He was. He a, wasn't. He wasn't. He was one side. Yeah, he was a utility player. That's basically what I'm saying. He wasn't like a. But he's a beast, man. He wasn't like a, that one dude. What's his name? For Golden State, who shoots all the threes. Oh, Kevin Durant. Yeah, he wasn't like a Kevin Durant type of guy. He was. He he got his rebounds, and he could make maybe like a four foot jumper, and that's it. <laughs> so and he wasn't it. like a huge asset, and dunk it. And dude, then you have uh, Bill Cartwright. Can... Bill dude. Cartwright was on their team. Dude, Phil Jackson has told you, hey. Defense wins championships. Yeah, and you saw the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, that's that's a prime France. example of that. You you saw France <laughs> counterattacking, setting up defensively. Yeah, but they had, yeah, they had they were evened out on offense as well, though they had. Oh, dude, it's a stacked team, man. They had it all over the place. So, it's and that's that's. That's sort of. I think Ronnie was tweeting out that this World Cup disappointed him because of. Uh, I don't know if we'd say anti-football way of play, like set pieces and uh, counter attacks that were uh, used a lot in the World Cup. But I mean, I thought I thought it was entertaining, but it's, yeah. it's a different. It's a different World Cup. Uh, like I read something to Xavi Hernandez. He was. He was saying, hey, everybody played it safe. Nobody took risks, tried to play. But, you know, Ronnie, he flip-flops, man, because I remember years ago when La Volpe had the team, he was saying that he how he wanted uh, he wanted balanced soccer. So he wanted like a La Puente type, which is which means is, you know, and that's and he was a big fan of Toluca because they would they would they would organize their defense first and then look to spring a, a counterattack. And, and for the longest he was he would preach the for Mexico to play play that way against the Mino teams. Give them the ball, let them attack you, and then counterattack. So, you know, Ronnie oh, was upper. Yeah, he was doing that. Even even uh even this even with Osorio, he was saying that. Do you remember, yeah, he used to play cat and mouse, and and that Piojo was yeah. good at that. You know, so he's not. I mean, I mean, you can't. The the problem is if you want to be a good dynamic attacking team, you need you need the players and you need the familiarity uh, with the system. You know, uh, you like it, it, for a national team, it, it's really hard because um, 
you don't have the players every day, so you can't t- teach the idiosyncrasies of of, of, a, of offensive system, you know, day in and day out. Uh, with a club team, you can. So that's how you can have, like, the Barcelonas and all that. So I think, I mean, you know, respect to the, to the managers that can make it work. Um, but I think it works because, for example, to me, uh, Germany won it in 2014 because and, and playing that style because they had their their Bayern Munich base and their Borussia Dortmund base of players, you know. Yeah. But Spain, they had their Barca base of especially with with Xavi Hernandez, Iniesta, you know, um, uh, Pedro, and and these other players that they play this possession attacking, so they're comfortable with that. Um, yeah, that's not going to happen anytime soon with Mexico. Yeah, with Mexico, you you can't because you don't. There's no team has a base. It used to be Chivas. Chivas would be the base because they would have the best Mexican players. So you could sort of you could try to use them as a base and build around them. I mean, generally that's kind of that used to be kind of the the deal, right? When Vasco came in, then he kind of bring a Pachuca base to kind of uh, uh, yeah. recover that 2002 qualifiers. And then uh, Ojitos, didn't he kind of try to use the Cruz Azul base? They kind of choked. Uh, I, I don't think it works anymore, man. Unless they all go to uh, unless they all go to Porto or something. <laughs> yeah, like you know, that's why kind of like to me, if if Pep Guardiola is able to build like a base, a squad of English players in England. Uh, I, I think he, like he, I'm thinking he might do that. He might try to get all the English players he can to stack them in there, and then like in three, four years, take the national, the English national team. You know, because that's that's what they were. He was saying I read something that he's looking to get into management. So I I, I mentioned it to somebody like, hey, dude, the, the Guardiola effect. You know, he's in he's in your in, in coaching in Spain. They win the World Cup with his with his base. Germany, same thing. So I'm thinking he's gonna stack England and then try to get the English team because England's like a really good team, underachieves, and they're they're open to foreign managers. You know they've they've had a ton of them already. Uh, well, you know. Yeah. So if he yeah, if he stacks Man City, that would be interesting. Yeah, if he stacks Man, if he's able to stack Man City with uh, with English players, dude, watch out. And this is the this is the generation to do it. I mean, they, I think they even Tom would probably say that they overachieved in this World Cup, and yeah, next time could be their uh, their chance to to do even better. Well, I think that's uh, should be it for the NBA talk. Uh, <laughs> any uh, any other? Things, it's pretty late, so you could probably end the show unless you have any other last final items to to say. Nah, dude, I'm just I'm just curious what's gonna happen with Mexico. Who who's gonna take it over? Because Osorio's pretty much done, so they don't have a manager for the September friendlies. So they might they might you know, or they might do a tribute thing. How huh? will they have a like freaking like who hasn't gotten the team besides Tuca? You know, Mejia yeah. Baron or something. Yeah, somebody. Maybe Jose Luis Real. They, remember they gave it to Efrain Flores for the Spain friendly? Like he was a... Oh, yeah. Interim coach. 
Yeah, you know what? I think he had a little dispute with Vela, too. I think they had a little disagreement uh, in that game. Because I think Efraín Flores was trying to talk to players and Vela was like, whatever, you know, just blowing them off. <laughs> and, he, and I think he did the same to Vasco in, in 2009. Or, two, yeah, 2009 in the Gold Cup, I think. Or when the call-ups, he was kind of, Vela would be like on his cell phone and like tweeting and stuff or whatever. And, you know. Yeah, they they shouldn't. They should get a perm. They should make a deal quick and get a real coach in there. So to avoid all that stuff. I think so, man. I think that's just that's the only thing on my mind. I think that'd be the last point to make. Is just I wonder who they're gonna get. Yeah, I, I would go. I would go with Almeida. Just give him a. Because I don't think I think John even said it. Mexico isn't gonna get what they want, they're going to settle with whoever will take it. Because this, this coaching gig is is not desirable. <laughs> the you don't think national so? I don't think so, man. Just look how they treat people in, in, in Azteca. How they treated Osorio. If you make any type of mistake, the press is going to get all on you. If you can't handle that stuff, you're going to be crying and, and suffering the whole, your whole tenure. If things don't go well, the fans are going to turn on you. I think Drama. That's, that's everywhere except the the the, the, the nads, dude. Because <laughs> in England it's like that, you know. They're always second guessing uh, everything, you know. Yeah, I guess it is. It seems it seems I don't know if it's just Mexican fans saying it, but it, I hear a lot of talk where it, uh, a lot of people say Mexico is worse. The Mexican press is worse. Well, maybe I mean, not maybe not like Argentina, but overall. They're very confrontational, man. I I remember the the pressers. I'm sure you remember too, dude. They were like just attacking Osorio, you know. Like uh, one time, uh, they asked him a question about why the goalie um, had to make so many saves, and he's all like, "Well, isn't that the goalie's job to make saves?" Uh (laughs) You know, he's like just sarcastic. He's just tired. He's done with them. Yeah, that's a legit question, though. And that and that answer, that type of response is uh, is one of a rustled individual. (laughs) <laughs> I guess, dude. I mean, I, you know, I, I can see his, but I see it his way. I mean, dude, you're, you're, you know, the goalie's gonna have to make saves because the because you your because your team can't possess and your team and you're and you're on the defensive all the time. That's that's what I think. Like whenever whenever uh, Mexico played Brazil in the last yeah. World Cup, and everyone was like, "Oh, Choa's the best. Oh, Choa's awesome." I, I was like. Maybe so, but why is he having to make all these saves, and why can't Mexico do anything against this team and and just play other than play defense? They're hanging by the skin of their teeth against Brazil. Dude, so it's not something to be proud of. It's Brazil, man. They're, it's just they, they yeah, that's a, true. They got a higher pedigree. Remember in in uh, under Piojo, Ochoa was the the, the hero too. Uh, again, with Hugo Sanchez when he beat them. Uh, uh, 2-0, I remember Ochoa making tons of saves, like being really clutch in that game, you know, especially uh, towards the end where they were just like, they just pushed all their lines forward and they were, um, on t- I, they just have a, I don't think it's just talent, dude. I think part of it is mental too, man, because uh, technically Mexico is a good team, but they're just not used to, you know, I think it goes back to the Champions League games. They're, they're not, not they're not, they're not used to, I think it's their mentality is a big part of it. They're not used to being 
like just when you said it's Brazil. Exactly. I, I would say like, well, okay, so it's Brazil. Why don't anyone say, oh, it's Mexico? And then Chicharito has to come out with like pins and cosas, chingonas and all that stuff. It's just like, okay, why, why do you have to make that type of little phrase? Why don't you just say, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to win. And it's, it's like, we have to dream big. We have to dream of these far-fetched things like getting to the fifth game or winning a championship because it's not going to happen. And I could even tell, like, after Mexico was out, I was like, watching the, the later games of the World Cup, I was thinking, man, Mexico's talent is nowhere near these teams. Mexico, if Mexico were to make the semifinals, I would think they have no business being amongst these teams. <laughs> They're not of the talent of statue and, and play. Like, watching Mexico play is like watching uh, uh, compared to, like, France and Croatia. It's like watching Panama play or some, some team like that, man. So you, anyway. you, th- you think they're the, they're the, the uh, Wolverhamptons? What are they yeah. called? The, the know, your, know your role, know your place in the scheme of things, Mexico. <laughs> they're like the Fulham? The Fulham, yeah. The, 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 Castles, the, the Everton, the, the Porto or the whatever. Well, Porto wins their league, dude. <laughs> well, I'm talking about a championship, like in a Champions League. Oh, the Champions League, yeah, dude, they got smacked by Liverpool, yeah. But uh, but hope is always there. Hope for next time, and hope for maybe a home home turf World Cup, a little bit of advantage. Yeah, I think that's why we need to pick a manager for the next eight years. Yeah. All right, man. All right, dude. It's time to wrap it up. Thanks for coming on and. Uh, just a reminder to everybody to check us out on the Facebook page and the Cantina MX Twitter page. And you can download this on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube. Is, uh, and we'll see you guys next week.